For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. This is the Sports Bash with Mike Gill on 97.3 ESPN. Now, live inside the Matt Black Kia Studios, here's Mike Gill. And welcome aboard. A Wednesday edition of the Sports Bash starts now. I'm your host, Mike Gill. Josh Henning has the day off. You out there. What's going on, friends? As we take you on this Thursday, excuse me, this Wednesday journey. Skipping ahead a day, but uh, a lot going on. Phil's win, Phil's win, Phil's win again last night. Uh, we got all that for you this hour here on the Sports Bash. Taking a look uh, what that win meant for the team last night. Wheeler, six innings, eight strikeouts. He gets the win. Alvarado came in. This is the way a bullpen's supposed to look. Your starter goes six. You got the guy, and I like to see him go seven, but I get this day and age. Alvarado, bang, two strikeouts. He comes in and gets the job done. Robertson in the eighth. Dominguez in the ninth. Phillies bullpen starting to look like a real bullpen now. The starting pitching great last night. Couple of big hits. Segura with that homer. But how about JT Real Muto? What a hot streak uh, he's on as he continues to just rake uh, as the Phillies uh, have kind of needed him. His hot streak coinciding with um, Bryce Harper being out. And you know that things are going well for the Phillies. They've won six in a row, 11 of 12, 13 of 16. And when it comes to this division, they are beating up on the bad teams. The Nationals, they've now beat the Marlins, I think, what, six out of seven or something like that. And JT Realmuto last night, uh, he is just having an unbelievable stretch at the plate. Uh, his third consecutive multi extra base hit game. We're not just talking about slapping singles. Two for four with a home run, a double, two ribbies. In his last eight games, he's hitting 400 with six home runs and 19 ribbies. So, you've got a guy now that is starting to carry an offense. Getting Segura back. He homered uh, for the first time since he got activated and getting him back has really added some length to this lineup. I thought Wheeler last night wasn't his best. He didn't have the command that he generally has last night. Uh, but with that, he still didn't give up a run and got his 11th win of the year. So uh, an overall good start there for uh, Wheeler. Not his best, but got through it. But I was more impressed with the bullpen. I mean, through the rain delays and having to come in and all that stuff, Alvarado, Robertson, and Dominguez. And I said, you know, this is what a bullpen looks like. If Alvarado's throwing strikes and gets the strikeouts, he did have a walk last night. But you got that electric arm in the seventh. You got Robinson and Dem- uh, Robertson and Dominguez based on the matchups in the eighth and the ninth. You've got a, a shutdown eighth inning guy and a shutdown ninth inning guy. And they get the uh, three scoreless innings from the bullpen last night. Um, that's what a bullpen. That's, that's what you have to have to be a winning team. Rob Thompson said it after the game. We just need to keep them healthy, keep them rested, and that's what they're doing right now. They're not having to go to the bullpen on that series against the Nationals. They didn't need those guys. They were pitching just to get some work in. So with the win, they are now 13 games over 500, um, 61 and 48. They're a game and a half up on the Padres 
for that wild card spot in the National League. And you're starting to see a team that is playing with confidence. You're starting to see a team that is playing uh, with that, hey, when we have a bad team in front of us, we're going to beat that bad team. Find a way to beat them. And that's what they did last night. You know, the game starts late because of the delay. They come right out of the shoots and get a run. And um, it was, you know, they had eight hits last night. Schwarber, two hits. Hoskins, a hit. Bohm, a hit. Uh, Realmuto with two. Segura with two. They kind of showed you the depth in the lineup. You know, Castellanos last night uh, walked a couple of times. Actually, I think he walked once. He ended up stealing a base. I saw him steal a base at one point. Um, He didn't have a big impact in the game. But, you know, you look at that lineup and, you know, just getting contributions. A double from Real Muto. Schwarber with a double. You have the RBI from Segura. Uh, two-run homer by Real Muto. Boom. Uh, he gets an RBI in the game as well. Made that great play at third base uh, that had a little funny moment attached to it that we'll get to in just a minute. But, you know, that game last night is a kind of game where the offense didn't have a huge night but just did enough because you got a good pitch game. Tonight's a big night, though. You know, you keep getting these wins. you got to stockpile them. But then you got to keep going. And they face probably the favorite for the Cy Young. We were having fun with his name yesterday, but Sandy Alcantara. And this is the fourth time they're going to see him this year. And the last time they faced him, they scratched out a win. And they've beaten him twice this year. So it'll be interesting to see, hey, can you beat Alcantara for the third time in a season? That's what they're up against tonight. So it was a big game for them. You, you, you win the game last night. Look, you've got to keep winning series. You can't look back and say we lost two out of three of the Marlins. And to win two out of three, you've got to probably get this game tonight because uh, Gibson goes tomorrow, and that's kind of a coin flip for you. Syndergaard goes for the Phillies, trying to get a better effort from him in his second one. Uh, he had that first start that got – that was that five-inning range-shortened game that he ended up getting the win, but he did not pitch great. Uh, in that game. Before we kind of jump on to some things, and everybody's probably heard the moment last night. Uh, this was from uh, Mets broadcaster Keith Hernandez last night. I mean, come on, Keith Hernandez. You got to be better than this. But this is a very Seinfeld-esque moment wrapped up here. This is Keith Hernandez last night on the uh, SNY uh, Mets broadcast talking about the upcoming Philly schedule where they play the Phillies six times. Actually, they play them... Seven times. There's a doubleheader uh, wrapped in there next weekend on the 20th. They'll have a day-night doubleheader. Um, but uh, this is Keith Hernandez talking about not wanting to broadcast the games uh, when the Phillies host the Mets. Says the night game in the day-night doubleheader. I missed both Phillies series. I have to go this weekend to St. Louis for the 40th anniversary of 82. I'll join you in Atlanta. And then and I what's a, your excuse the following week? It's a scheduled, uh, scheduled uh, off off series, and you know I've expressed to the to the front office, not that front office, our front office of SNY, that that I I hate doing Philly games. So I guess they gave they gave me to get the series off. You hate doing Philly games? Oh, because they always never seem to. Up and in fastball, uh, they never seem to uh, disappoint. I mean, it, it, over the years, now they're hot right now. I would, I would like to see them. 
But, you know, as far as fundamentally and defensively, the Phillies have always been just, you know, not up to it. Maybe we can shoehorn you into the schedule now that they're playing well and maybe up to your standards. Well, we'll see. <laughs> Don't hold your breath. <laughs> All right, so that's Keith Hernandez on the SNY broadcast last night. You know, that uh, the Phillies, fundamentally, they just don't do it for him. Um, to which uh, there was a play later on in the game. So that was uh, at some point during the, the Met game yesterday. I don't know, in like the second inning of the game. Well, on the flip side, the Phillies get a play in their game, and the word must have traveled back to Tom McCarthy and the Phillies broadcast booth, uh, which led to this interaction. Pitch hit on the ground to third, backhanded on the slide by Bohm, the second for one, and that's all they'll get. That's a heck of a play by Alec Bohm. Well, Keith, uh, take a look at this replay from Alec Bohm. So he gives it back to Keith Hernandez. Well, Keith, uh, take a look at this one here. And by the way, it's odd, uh, ironic, I should say, that the guy who gets the great defensive play is Alec Bohm. And I guess you got to talk about Bohm and his defense a little bit and, you know, what he has done defensively. I mean, this is a guy that all of a sudden has started to kind of handle himself at third base. I wouldn't say he's any gold glove level third baseman by any stretch of the imagination, but he is starting to have confidence and make plays. We'll talk about that with Mike McGarry from the Press of Atlantic City because um, Mike wrote about him in, in that the fact that, and he tweeted about it last night, that Bohm all of a sudden um, has turned into a pretty good third baseman, right? I mean, out of nowhere, um, he has turned into a pretty decent third baseman. Um, there was plays before where he just absolutely was awful. He just was not a major league capable third baseman. Now you're at the point where you say, oh, I would imagine that that's where uh, he will play. And, and look, if he keeps hitting the way he is, um, that uh, he, he's going to be a third baseman here for a while. Um, is he Mike Schmidt? No. Um, but he's been he's been pretty good. Uh, on the news front for the Phils, um, this is a team right now. Uh, we talk about Bryce Harper. Uh, they're going to get him back, we hope, at some point, right? And we're kind of waiting on when that might be. There was some news on Harper yesterday. And I don't want to say it was bad news. I mean, it was just um, they cut back his throwing program. And he tried to throw before the game. Rob Thompson told reporters before the game yesterday that, you know, he had thrown and that they'll reevaluate him, but that he's experienced some stiffness in his elbow. And, look, the team has said, Rob Thompson has said that he says, no doubt in my mind, I think he'll be back. Um, the setback in his arm would suggest, though, that he's not going to play right field. There was a report last week that they had hoped that he could play right field, and that would make their outfield defense better having Harper and right instead of Castellanos. But all it really does is just flip-flop those two. Castellanos plays right, Harper DHs. But what it does is makes your outfield defense a little less. But if the Phillies continue to play good baseball without Harper, they don't have to rush him back. And the big thing with that broken thumb, he had a pin in the thumb. Uh, Rob Thompson explained that he needs more flexibility. But he's hitting off a tee. He's not hitting live pitching right now. 
And it's been, believe it or not, six weeks since Harper had surgery. And if you remember, I think Harper spoke to the media sometime last week. It was right about when I got back from uh, Europe, which was that he said that he was aiming for like a sometime in like September. I think September-ish is the word that he used. Um, But right now the Phillies are moving in the right direction without Harper. I mean... And I don't want to say, oh, what you don't rock the boat. If you get Bryce Harper back and he's Bryce Harper, you stick him right in the middle of the lineup. You just hope that when he comes back, he doesn't press and that it doesn't take him. Like, I would imagine he's going to do a rehab assignment, uh, much like Segura. I think Segura had like 30 at-bats in the minors before he came back up here. So what's that, about five, six games, depending on how many at-bats of games. He probably had a week's worth of games down there. So look for that from Harper maybe the first week of September. You take a look at the Phillies' schedule between now and then. And this is where, you know, they're cleaning up, beating up on these bad teams without Bryce Harper. You know, you got Washington and Miami. So you've been able to kind of clean up on those teams. Here's where the thing without Bryce Harper, you have the Mets, Cincinnati, who's not a very good team, the Mets again. So you have seven with the Mets and seven with Cincinnati. And then Pittsburgh, Arizona, both those teams are pretty weak. And then San Francisco, Miami, the first week of September. You wonder if that first week of September, that Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, if Harper is playing rehab games in that area, and then that series against Washington on September 9th and 10th, 11th, They would have Harper back for Washington, Miami, Atlanta, Toronto, Atlanta, Chicago, Washington again, and then Houston. They got a lot of Washington still left on the schedule. They got a lot of Miami still left on the schedule. So um, the way that I kind of read this and, and from what I saw yesterday, I did see some video of Harper throwing, and then they shut him down. But um, I guess Harper doesn't have to be rushed back. You probably see him play some rehab games that first week of September. Again, not reporting this. This is not uh, out there. This is my guess. And that he does that first week of September um, with uh, a minor league assignment. And then he would be back maybe that second week of September. Um, you know, we're already at six weeks right now. You know, eight to ten weeks, I think, is kind of what we were looking at maybe at the beginning. And uh, we'll see. I mean, the fact that they've been pretty darn good without Bryce Harper. In fact, I think if you take a look at where this team is, we gave you some numbers on where they are next to the 08 team and the 80 team yesterday. But in 2011, that was really the team that had the best record. Uh, I think they won 102 games, that 11 team. Kevin Cooney tweeted this out. In June, July, and August, they were 52 and 25. That's a 675 winning percentage. Well, this team in the months of June, July, and August, now remember, we're only 10 days through August, but they're actually 40 and 19 in the months of June, July, and August. 40 and 19, this Phillies team is. 678. And Cooney tweeted out if you want to take it a step further, uh, the 77 team that many people think was the best Phillies talent-wise uh, that they've ever had, uh, the 77 Phillies won over 100 games. 
Uh, that team was 56-31 and 31 in June, July, and August. Now, you need to be, play good in September. Forget June and July and August, but June, July, and August can get you to, you know, it's kind of like running the, what, the 400. Uh, you, you start, you do that first turn, you come down the back stretch, you make that turn, and now, boom, uh, you're, you're doing that last stretch. That's where September baseball is. Right now, in August, you're about that second turn at the top. You've got to get to that bottom half of the turn with a chance to make the playoffs, and that's where this team currently is. But keep in mind, we're still only 10 days into August. Sports Pass Live, 97.3 ESPN, 609-573-3776. Don't forget, go to 973ESPN.com. And you can enter to win a road trip to see the Eagles take on the Washington Commanders in Washington. Now, the game is September 25th. All you need to do is go to our website, 973ESPN.com, to enter. And if I call out your name this hour, I'm going to call out one name this hour, that person is entered to win that trip. You must be present to win on Friday, August 26th on Happy Hour Friday. We'll be at Garden State Brewery in Absecon. Their motto is a beer for everyone, meaning out of their 16 taps, which feature their Blue Jersey American Wheat Beer and their new Sand Shark Lager, there is enough variety that almost anyone listening to the Sports Bash will find a style of beer that they like. They're open daily so everyone can come and enjoy their favorite beers. Garden State Brewery is all about supporting local, and they use fresh local ingredients from other small businesses in the South Jersey region. Because their tasting room is so large, they have evolved into a fundraising mecca for the community. So you can contact them today at 609-232-BEER for your next party. And, of course, our friends at Philly Sports Trips are providing the transportation and the tickets to the game. Travel with the pros at Philly Sports Trips. If you're a diehard Philly fan looking for some great Philly sports road trips, it's time to check out the full trip lineup at phillysportstrips.com, and the food is going to be provided that day from Ernest & Sons uh, Old Fashioned Butcher Shop and Meat Market in Brigantine. So uh, we'll call out another winning name here in just a couple of minutes. All you need to do to enter is go to our website, 973ESPN.com, get all the details on how to enter uh, the contest there, and once your name is in the hat, All you need to do is be at that Happy Hour Friday live broadcast show. And really, it's the end of the summer. It's kind of the kickoff to the weekend there. It should be a fun show to be a part of. So if you haven't entered your name yet, go to our website, 973ESPN.com, and enter. Because I'm going to announce another winning name here in just a couple of moments. So I'll give you a couple minutes to go and enter. And then, uh, you know, we'll pick out one of those names that have entered uh, and we'll be doing it all throughout the show. Every day uh, on the Sports Bash up till Thursday the 25th, you can enter. And then on the 26th, we're going to be live at Garden State Brewery. All right? Sports Bash is live, 97.3 ESPN, the 97.3 ESPN free mobile app. It's a busy uh, show for you. Mike McGarry uh, joins me. Of course, John McMullen is back. And it's great to have Johnny Mac back. Having Johnny Mac back on the radio 
uh, talking Eagles and NFL with us every day at 3 o'clock, Monday through Thursday. Johnny Mack is back right here on the Sports Bash. It's been a uh, great time having him back on the show, and he's going to be back uh, throughout the football season here on the Sports Bash. All right, getting you ready, getting you started. You know? What else we got going today? Josh had the day off, so uh, I'll do the headlines today. I got some good stories on the headlines. You're going to want to stick around for that right after football at 4. Jeff Mosher's in today. And then Jeff Kerr tonight, more on the NFL. Uh, We're loading up our NFL lineup for the fall season. We'll have details. And don't forget, Monday, the Sports Bash is live on location. This and every Monday, we will be live uh, at the gallery, bar, book, and games at Ocean Casino Resort for the football season. Cheer on your favorite drinks while cheering on your favorite team. Go to the gallery in Ocean Casino Resort and go for the win. For more information, visit theoceanac.com. You must be 21 or older to play. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. This Monday, we're live at the gallery, bar, book, and games at Ocean Casino Resort. Uh, yesterday on the show, we asked you your first concert your last concert, and what's your next concert? Text me right now, 609-403-0973, 609-403-0973. What's your first concert you ever been to? Mine's STP. The last concert you went to, ironically, mine was STP. One was in 1994. The other one was in, I guess, 2022 or maybe late 2021. I think it was early 2022. So I saw STP, my first concert, 94. And the last concert I saw was STP. Different singers, by the way. And what's my next concert? Uh, Is Smashing Pumpkins touring? Can anybody confirm that for me? I'd like to see Smashing Pumpkins if I could. All right, more Sports Bash coming up. I'm Mike Gill. Follow me on Twitter, at Mike Gill Show. Text me in. Your first concert you ever went to, the last concert you ever went to, and the next concert you want to go see. We'll read all some of those. McGarry coming up. This is the Sports Bash on 97.3. Now, back to the Sports For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger. Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. SPN. All right, 227 Sports Bash. Uh, here we go. He got the first name of the day, and it is uh, James... Kiesler. James Kiesler, you are entered for a chance to win an Eagles road trip to see the Eagles play the Commanders. That name is really bad. In Washington. But you're not going to see the Commanders. You're going to see the Eagles. The reports on uh, Carson Wentz haven't been all that good, by the way. Apparently his accuracy has been questioned a lot. There's a lot of problems going on, as usual, in Washington. Uh, with the commanders. They fired their defensive line coach yesterday, Sam Mills. Uh, according to Ben Standing, Carson Wentz has had an assortment pack of misfires 
during Commander's training camp. Quote, quarterbacks throwing to receivers against air with no defense is the football equivalent of a layup line, yet Wentz routinely has bricked passes in various directions. Overthrowing or firing too far out front, he has been uh, has been the most common issue uh, for Carson Wentz. Uh, apparently, Wentz's accuracy has been called out uh, to question at uh, Washington camp down there, so uh, who knows? But that game, September 25th in Washington, and our latest qualifiers we just announced right there is James Kiesler. And, uh, James, congratulations to you. We will see you at Garden State Brewery on Happy Hour Friday, August the 26th, where one lucky listener is going to be winning a seat on the bus with Philly sports trips down to Washington to see the Eagles take on the Commanders. Um, one of the things that we'll be looking at, and John McMullen's going to join us at 3 o'clock today with this Eagles team, is how much consistency and accuracy have they gotten from their quarterback, Jalen Hurts. And that will be probably one of the biggest things that we will be watching with this football team in the early stages. When will we see them? Well, Nick Sirianni spoke today and gave some indication that the starting players will play a series or two in the exhibition opener on Friday. Now, the way that he worded it doesn't make me feel like that's still 100% of a possibility. I almost feel that Sirianni was like placating to the media today when he gave his answer to the question. You know, hey, I mean, he was asked yesterday whether or not the starters were going to play. And he said, you know, I don't know. And it almost was like that answer wasn't good enough for some of the media. So they kind of pressed him again today. Hey, when are starters, uh, are they going to play? And the answer that he gave kind of says to me, uh, he says the starters may get one series or two. And then, of course, the Twitter world blew up. Oh, my God, he might play? Yeah, he, they may play a series or two. But he didn't say they were definitively playing a series or two. He said they may play a series or two. Which means, yeah, they might play, but we'll see. He's expecting one to two series for the starters, but he did add that they still have time to make a decision on this. Me... I would still be pretty surprised if, in fact, we saw the Eagles starters out there. Now, I might be wrong, but I would be pretty surprised if we saw Jalen Hurts, A.J. Brown, uh, Dallas Goddard. You know, Milata had a concussion. I don't know that we're going to see all the starters. We might see some of the starters. 0973, I asked you before the break, what's your first concert? What's your last concert? And what's the next concert you're going to be going to? I saw this out on social media, and I said, man, you know what's interesting? Maybe to me, maybe not to you. That my first concert and my last concert are the same. And it's not like Stone Temple Pilots is my favorite band. I mean, I liked them when I was growing up. It's not like I'm this huge Stone Temple Pilots fan. 
But ironically, and the reason I brought this topic back up is because I saw it on social media. And then I said, what's my first concert? I said, Stone Temple Pilots. And then I said, what's my last concert? Stone Temple Pilots is the last show that I went to. And I went to the Stone Temple Pilots show. They played Atlantic City not too long ago. I don't remember when it was. It was either in early 2022 or late 2021. And then when I said, what's the next concert? I mean, for God's sakes, I I don't go to concerts all that much anymore. But I said, the, I guess the next concert I would want to go to, like if, if Smashing Pumpkins was touring. I don't know that they are. I, I'm not... I used to go to concerts a lot. When I worked in music radio, I was at concerts all the time. My God, I used to go to a concert. It felt like every single weekend. And then as soon as I got out of that world, I'm just not a big concert goer. I've gone to a few. Um, but I was thinking, so uh, Tom from the Villas, some other text messages coming in, 609-403-0973 on the text board. If you're listening on the free mobile app, you can message us through the app on your phone. It's free. Tell us the first concert you went to the last concert you went to and the next concert that you want to go to tom in the villas says first concert black crows i'd like to see the black crows that'd probably be a really good show how old are the black crows now though jeez they were like right before the whole um the, the like the grunge in the 90s right they were kind of a little bit before that i mean they were out in i say right before that the Black Crows were playing, I guess, right in the. Uh, they had to be. St- they had to start like early eighties, like eighty four, eighty five, somewhere in that that era, mid eighties. But I'd go see Black Crows. First concert, Black Crows. Last concert, Real Big Fish. What like a the ska band sell out? Is that what they sung? Real Big Fish, Tom. Is that sell out? Right? I think that's the only song I could name from uh, Real Big Fish. He goes on to say, I'm not much of a big concert venue guy anymore, but I watch local bands at the bar, so one of them might be my next concert. All right, Tom. What's your favorite local band? How about that? Who's the local band that brings you uh, to the bar? Like, what local band draws the most? Let me know on that one. Um, All right. First concert. This is uh, Darren in Millville. Alice Cooper first. There you go. Godsmack was the last. I got to be honest there, Darren in Millville. Not a big Godsmack guy. I get the allure for the people who like Godsmack. I'm not ripping you. I'm just not a big Godsmack guy. I always thought Godsmack, every song, the guy's voice, man, it was so distinct that they all sounded exactly the same. Not a big Godsmack guy. I'll pass on the Godsmack. Alice Cooper would be an experience. Uh, last, would have loved to see STP with Scott Weiland, but if the singer is good, would like to see STP next. Um, the new singer is a guy named Jeff Goot, and he is okay. I wouldn't say he's bad. I'll tell you the big difference. Scott Weiland, I said the big difference when I saw this version of STP, now, I mean, come on, the first, I saw them in 94 when they were like at their height, when they had the Purple album. The big difference is, let's say their voices were exactly the same, and they're not. Goot's voice is not as good as uh, Scott Weiland. But 
The biggest difference for me was stage presence. And you don't realize how much that actually matters, right? Scott Weiland played the whole stage, man. He went up, down, all around. Jeff Gook just didn't have the stage presence, man. That was the big difference. Uh, A couple more, 609-403-0973, 609-403-0973. I got this text earlier. Wow, Mike, you found that tape, huh? Good old Keith Hernandez. I was shocked he said that. I don't know from his playing days, but I actually appreciate that the Phils are doing well. It makes the rivalry up the turnpike much more interesting. Oh, it's 6-0 Mets right now, but a friendly wager you don't have to say on the air. A six-pack, your favorite IPA, and a six-pack of Corona for me. Probably better for you for the price. (laughs) But if the Mets win the series, I get. If the Phillies win, I'll bring to Ocean Casino on Monday when you're there. And keep winning, Phils. Yes, let's go, Mets. Love you, bro. Ha-ha. <laughs> uh, yes, um, I don't know. Hernandez, uh, who gives a crap what Keith Hernandez said, really? I mean, come on. Has he not? That just tells me he hasn't watched any of the Phillies. I mean, for him to say uh, the brand of baseball they're playing is not a good brand of baseball, you're not paying attention. And I'm not knocking him for not paying attention. He's watching the Mets play every night at the same time the Phillies are playing. But the Phillies have a better record than the Mets do the last 60 games. He should be embracing the fact that these two teams are on a collision course this weekend. Now, the Mets are 10 games up on the Phillies. This doesn't have a lot of implications. But I'll ask Mike McGarry, what if the Phillies did sweep the Mets? Would that change anything? They do play the Mets for four coming up. Could make some things interesting. We'll get into the Phils and that and more. Mike McGarry from the Press of Atlantic City. He joins me on the other side. One more time, congratulations to James Kiesler. James Kiesler, you have a shot to see the Eagles play in Washington. If you haven't entered yet, go to our website, 973ESPN.com. Plus, I have a sixer question for Mike McGarry. You can go to our website for the details right now. Plus, text in your first concert, your last concert, and your next concert. Ooh, someone just texted me. Smashing Pumpkins are playing Asbury Park this fall. I got to check that out. I'll have to check out the details. All right, I got details with Mike McGarry coming up next. Now, back to more. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. On 97.3 ESPN, South Jersey's sports leader. Sports Bash Live, 97.3 ESPN. Mike McGarry from the Press of Atlantic City stopping by to give us some insight on a lot of different things going on, including some Sixers news that has kind of come across in the last couple of hours. Phillies win again last night, and how impactful is that in this race? And, of course, the Phillies will take on the Metropolitans this weekend. Let's bring Mike McGarry into the show right now here on the Sports Bash, 97.3 ESPN. What's going on, Mike? Hey, how are you, Mike? All right, so uh, Phillies win again last night. They, they're continuing to beat the Marlins. What's this, like six out of seven against the Marlins, right? 
Yeah, well, the Phillies are doing what they have to do and what they haven't done in the past, and that is beat bad teams. They are beating the bad teams. They're beating up on this Marlins team here. Um, and obviously, I, I want to get your take on, you know, uh, what you're seeing, because you're up there a lot now. You've kind of seen how the transformation – how are they winning – consistently still without Bryce Harper. What has happened that this team hasn't kind of fallen off without Harper in the lineup? A lot of people were concerned. You lose that kind of production. Who has kind of picked up the pieces? Why is this team not only held float, they've kind of taken off without him? Yeah, I mean, it's really all aspects. First of all, guys have stepped up in the lineup without Harper there, right? Chief among them, uh, you know, JT Real Muto. I kind of wrote about him for today. I mean, he had a home run and a double last night. I think he's hitting 348 since, uh, since July 1st with a slugging percentage of over 900. So, uh, he's really rebounded from his early, from his poor start where I remember back in 2020, people were saying, uh, sign giant, sign, uh, JT, sign JT. This year they were wondering, Hey, maybe we didn't mean it. Can we get that one back? But he's showing why he's the best catcher in the game right now. Castellanos is hitting a little bit better. Uh, so the overall, the lineup has taken off. The starting pitching has been outstanding every night. It seems every night, they send a guy to the mound, they get a quality start. And I think the biggest reason of all, you look last night, you know, last night was a game they might have lost last season or 2020 or 2019. They got a 4-1 lead after six innings. The bullpen comes in, Alvarado, Robertson, and Dominguez, and it's it's a no-sweat situation. There's not even a moment of doubt. The bullpen comes in and shuts those guys down. They're throwing strikes. They're going aggressively after hitters. So it's really all three phases of the game, uh, the lineup, uh, the pitching, and, and, and I think the biggest factor is the bullpen. When they get a 4-1 lead now against a bad team, they're not losing that game in the eighth and ninth innings. That's the thing right there. Somebody tweeted out um... – the blown save number from last year to this year 34 last year only 11 this year and we kept talking about it over the last couple of years mike was man even if you just cut their blown saves in half which would still be an outrageous number if you just cut them in half or 75 percent they may have been a playoff team over the one of the last few seasons yeah, absolutely, especially that COVID-shortened year, right? 2020, when it seemed like Brandon Workman and, and Heath Embry came over from Boston almost as as double agents and kind of sabotaged the Phillies that year. Uh, you know, and it's the bullpen right now, I mean, these things tend to go in cycles, and, and, and maybe you can argue that the Phillies were due to, to sign some guys who would come through. And uh, and that's been the case. I mean, they had the three guys who threw last night. They still have Knable, who's kind of turned it around. Brogdon, who's, who they've developed, is pretty good. They've got some pretty good long men back there. So the, the solid bullpen and the way Thompson has used them has made for a, a big difference this season. So uh, you just brought up how Thompson has used them. What is he doing differently that Joe Girardi wasn't doing that is getting more from the same guys? Yeah, you know, I don't know if he's doing anything sort of X's and O's differently. I just think it's his his personality, his ability to communicate with the players, his ability to put the players at ease. And also, I think I can't be underestimated. I mean, the Phillies thought they would be this type of team when the season started, right? I don't know if they thought they would be, uh, you know, winning 11 out of 12 every day, but... 
they thought they were going to be a pretty good team, and they just severely underperformed, you know, the first two months of the season. So they were bound to sort of turn it around. Look, look at Real Muto. Look at what he's doing now, and look at what he did the first two week, two months of the season. So they were bound to turn it around, but I think you have to give Thompson all the credit in the world, and I just think it's his – not so much his X's and O's, his decisions, but I just think his presence, he's calm, he communicates – he doesn't get too high, doesn't get too low, doesn't take up the spotlight himself. I think that's, you know, his biggest asset as manager. All right. Uh, on the Phillies front, uh, they play the Marlins twice more. I don't want to go too far ahead, and we'll talk about this on Friday when they get ready for the Mets. But eh, let's play a little hypothetical Great. game here, Mike McGarry. If the Phillies were to sweep the Mets this weekend, uh, would that put up any flags, red flags at all, or, or not that big of a deal? Well, I mean, not that big of a deal for the Mets. I think with the way they're playing and the lead they have, I think they're still nine, ten games up on the Phillies. So if they were to get swept, it's still a seven-game lead at the end of August. You feel comfortable about that. The Mets, are, as well as the Phillies are playing, the Mets are also playing dynamite baseball. I think they're on their way today. They're up 6-2, I think, midway through the game. They're on their way to their 15th win in their last 17 games. They've got DeGrom back. All he's done is strike out 18 guys and allow four hits and 10 and two-thirds in. I think what we're going to find out here, and it's and it really starts tonight. Uh, the Phillies face Sande uh, Alcantara of, of Miami. Then uh, I believe they're going to get Scherzer on Friday and Degrom on Saturday. We're going to find out just how good this Phillies offense is. How uh, you know how are they stack up against? Really good dynamite pitching. Dave Dombrowski has said he thinks if the team gets to the postseason, it can be a factor. And one of the reasons it can be a factor is he thinks the lineup can hit good pitching. We're going to get an early indication of that tonight and Friday and Saturday. Yeah, this is like uh, this is almost like the Eagles last year beating up on the bad uh, Giants and Washington then football team, now commanders, uh, skating themselves into the playoffs here. The Phillies have beaten up on a lot of bad teams to get themselves into the wild card. But now uh, they got a lot of bad teams still off on the schedule, but they got seven with the Mets coming up over the next two weeks. And that could really put them in a different spot. If the Mets beat up on them, that could affect their standing in the wild card. Yeah, and also I think they got an opportunity because the Mets have four with Atlanta next week too. And if the Mets can beat up on Atlanta again and the Phillies can keep winning, I think the Phillies are playing the Reds at that time. Uh, the Phillies, you know, they right now they have the seven Braves against the Reds fight. coming up, Mike. Seven against right. the Reds coming up. Right, exactly. So I mean, the, the Phillies have the Braves in their sight right now, and and an opportunity to uh, bypass them for that top wild card spot in the National League, and, and maybe get three games at home. Uh, you know, and, and a discussion around the press box last night was. Would you rather be the number six seed and and play three games in Milwaukee, or would you rather be the number four seed and host the Braves for three games? I'd rather be the four seed. I'd rather have have the home games. What I wouldn't want to be is the five seed going to Atlanta. I take either be the six seed or the four seed. Don't be the five. And and right now, that's where the Phillies are, the five seed. All right. Uh, shifting gears, according to Ann Begley, veteran NBA reporter over at SNY, there are high-ranking members of the Sixers who felt strongly about engaging with Brooklyn on a Kevin Durant trade. He also reports the Sixers are one of Durant's desired landing spots. This is taking a turn. He does mention that Tyrese Maxey would certainly have to be involved in the deal. Tobias Harris, Matisse Thibel, draft picks, and probably other players. But uh, are the Sixers eyeing a Durant deal? 
you know, this Kevin Durant stuff is, is beginning to get exhausting. Now, now he's going to reunite with James Harden and, and, and try to do the same thing here that they did in Brooklyn that didn't work in Brooklyn. Now Brooklyn's franchise is basically a dumpster fire and, and things like that. Look, I know Kevin Durant is one of the top 10 basketball players of all time. I just don't know what is what is ever going to make him happy. He wasn't happy in Oklahoma. He wasn't happy in Golden State. He wasn't happy in Brooklyn. And I don't know if I'm trading uh, for him to bring him here to Philadelphia, where he's probably not going to be happy and he's going to want out in a couple of years. And then where are you going to be? Although I will say, if you were to put Harden, Durant and Embiid on the floor, <laughs> that is a uh, very uh, appealing uh, a big three going forward. But I, I'm just shell shocked or, or uh, you know, traumatized by what Durant has left in his wake uh, in Brooklyn. So I would have to think twice before I even thought about that trade. Well, and of course, they're including Maxi, And, of course, all the right. Sixer fans are saying, you can't trade Maxi. But if you can get Kevin Durant, you got to no, You can trade, trade Maxi for Kevin Durant. I mean, you know, as good as Maxi is, uh, you know, he's not Kevin Durant, and he, and he never will be Kevin Durant. But, uh, you know, there's all, before you did that uh, trade, you know, that, that's you would have to kick the tires, talk to Durant, uh, get some assurances, uh, you know, really, really think it through because, boy, if it blows up like it blows up in Brooklyn, uh, you know, your franchise could be lost for the next decade. You know, you think the process, the 10-win process team was bad. Boy, you know, if Durant were to blow it up here, uh, you know, who knows what you'd be left with. Well, that whole thing, you know, he, he says, hey, I want the coach fired and the GM right. fired. Like, even Ben Simmons didn't make those demands. He yeah. just said, I don't I want mean, to he be wants, here. He wants the usher in Section 228 fired. He wants the person <laughs> at the concession stand fired. He wants the cheesesteak sold over there. He wants the soft vanilla ice cream upstairs. I mean, it's the demands are, are kind of absurd, and, and you better – understand what you're getting into you are getting if you did the trade one of the top 10 players in nba history and you are getting a hardened durant and and Embiid uh, a trio again is uh boy would be pretty good but you better make sure it's worth it if, if you're going to pull the trigger on something like that i i don't see uh the sixers you know it's fun to think about it's fun to toss around kick around on a on a sunny hot you know august day but in, in the cold reality of uh, the NBA world, I don't see the Sixers doing a deal like that. All right, Mike McGarry at AC Press McGarry. Check out his uh, work at the Press of Atlantic City.com. And in the paper, and of course, uh, Friday, he's back right here on the Sports Bash Phillies Mets this weekend. Thanks, Mike. All right, we'll see you later. Thanks. All right, there's Mike. He'll be back on Friday's show as we get you ready for that Phillies and Mets series. We've got Phillies and Marlins tonight. We'll have that. Uh, coverage tomorrow right here on the sports bash don't forget you can enter to win an eagles road trip to washington with our friends at philly sports trips go to our website 97.3 espn.com right now and enter and each day we'll call out winning qualifying names and those qualifiers will be at our happy hour friday party over at garden state brewery on August the 26th, when we pick out one lucky winner to go to Washington to cheer on the Eagles against the Commanders, I'm Mike Gill, and this is the Sports Bash. 
This is the Sports Bash with Mike Gill on 97.3 ESPN. Now, live inside the Matt Black Kia Studios, here's Mike Gill. All right, Sports Bash Live, 97.3 ESPN, the 97.3 ESPN free mobile app. What's going on, everybody? Uh, Eagles football is back this Friday night. You can hear the game live on 97.3 ESPN. Merrill Reese, Mike Quick will call all the action. Pre-game starts at 6.30 to kick off at 7.30. How much of the Eagles starters will we see? Well, Sirianni gave an answer to that question today. Do we believe him? We'll bring John McMullen into the conversation to answer that question. And more from Eagles practice today as the reality is setting in, John, that we're going to have Eagles football back on uh, Friday night, and we should start to get some answers to some of our questions. Maybe, maybe not. We'll see how important uh, the preseason turns out to be. But uh, do we anticipate seeing the starters? I don't know what that means, but the starters on uh, Friday night. Uh, yeah, I, I think Nick is telling the truth. But, you know, if you want to see them, uh, make sure you're situated in front of your TV uh, very early uh, because – they're going to leave pretty quickly as well. Um, and, th- you know, when you say starters, we're talking about all the starters available. Um, Devontae Smith, for instance, uh, looked close at practice today, um, was uh, on a side field working working out, but he's not back yet. So I, I find it very hard to believe they're going to press to get him on the field for for one or two series, something like that. Kenny Gainwell's been out of practice. Um, I don't think you're going to see him as sort of a a starter in a certain sense, the third down back, you know, the hurry up back, the goal line back. Um, it'll be interesting to see if Jordan Mailata, he was back uh, working in team drills at least a little bit, and so was Andre Dillard. So it'll be interesting to see if they'll be out there. And obviously Cam Jurgens is – is going to get those first team reps. It'll be interesting to see for Cam how long they play him uh, with Jason Kelsey being out likely until the season opener now. So it's important to get him ready just in case. Uh, So he might be the most interesting of all, but starters are going to get a cameo and that'll be about, that'll be about it. Maybe for the entire preseason. I was going to say, uh, is this uh, it? Uh, We're going to see them one to two series and that's it. And number two, are you surprised that we're even going to see them at all Friday night? A little bit uh, because of how they handled things last year. Now I I didn't remember uh, Jalen did play a few snaps in the, in the preseason opener. Um, and then before the preseason finale, he got sick. So I, I know there was some, you know, talk all week. Was he going to play him? Wasn't he going to play him? I, I tend to think he wasn't going to play, but he did get sick. So it never came into play. He had sort of a stomach virus. Um, uh, so that kind of made the decision for them. Um, the, everything they do seems to tilt towards you know player safety getting everybody as healthy as possible for week one in the regular season so i i don't think that's going to change ultimately so i i don't think you're going to see a ton of the starters in the preseason especially because they have the joint practices with cleveland and miami before those particular games and they seem to value those more for the starters 
uh, than the actual preseason games. All right, uh, John McMullen uh, from Birds 365 on the Jacob Media YouTube channel, Sports Illustrated. Uh, what more do we know on the Jason Kelsey? Uh, I know today Nick Sirianni did shed some more light on that situation. Yeah, I mean, Nick never gives timetables on injuries, which is kind of his uh, uh, sort of default setting. Um, but he did give kind of the wink-wink. He started 122 straight games, and I think we all think he's going to be out there against the Lions on September 11th, and <clears throat> unless there's something major wrong. So sometimes when you go in for these cleanup surgeries – as they like to call them. Sometimes they find something more significant. Unless something like that happens, yeah, I expect Jason Kelsey to be there week one. Um, they, you know, he's, as as Nick said today, he's the toughest player he's ever been around. Um, and he's played through these injuries. I remember when he hyperextended his elbow, um, and I said, all right, that's it. He was in so much pain. Kelsey's out for the season. He, he, he was out for a play. He, he hyperextended it, the play before halftime. And we're all like, okay, he's done. He's out. And he was back. He was back out there with one arm playing the entire game in the second half. So right. he is, he is, uh, uh, a tremendously, old-school sort of top football player. Yeah, and he has avoided missing games due to injury, where all these other guys have missed. He has been out there through thick and thin, but in his place will be second-round pick Cam Jurgens, and that was kind of confirmed today that at least he'll be with the ones. I guess he would have to look horrible in some of these preseason games uh, for him to not to have that uh, you know that spot in the event that Jason Kelsey can't go. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I do think it's very important. And, and you know, maybe there is a silver lining uh, to, uh, you know, Jason Kelsey doesn't need really preseason work. And, you know, one of the things he says about the shift from Doug Peterson's approach to Nick Sirianni's approach and, and more the organizational approach, I guess, would be, you know, he might be retired if they didn't lighten up the practice schedule. A little bit so he's not the kind of guy who needs a ton of reps to get ready at this stage of his career Cam Jurgens, on the other hand is a guy who obviously is a rookie player as talented as he may be Jim Schwartz used to always say uh, you know it doesn't matter who you are first pick in the draft uh undrafted rookie everybody's got startup costs he used to call it um and you know you got to get those startup costs out of the way uh, before anybody can turn into a, a meaningful contributor. So all the first-team reps he's going to be able to get against the Cleveland Browns in practice against the Miami Dolphins. Uh, he's going to get to start preseason games, presumably. Um, it should be valuable for him. Yeah, and you look at uh, this offensive line. I mean, if they can stay intact... Uh, you've got uh, Lane Johnson, Jason Kelsey, uh, both those guys. Uh, you know, this could be the, the last run of this group of, of this offensive line. So, um, you know, the strength of this team, that offensive line, this could be the last kind of hurrah for this this group, right? I mean, Jurgens would probably step in next year. You kind of hinted at that the other day, that this probably the last year for Kelsey. Yeah. So this is good to get Jurgens a couple of reps and, and kind of get him ingrained uh, with uh, Landon Dickerson, Jordan Maialata, because that could really be at least three-fifths of this line moving forward. 
Yeah, Lane kind of Lane Johnson kind of let that out of the bag. Uh, you know, they didn't want that out there. Uh, Lane sometimes is a little bit too honest, <laughs> but <laughs> that's the plan. Uh, that this will be Jason's last season. Now he could always change his mind. You know, if he if he's healthy, uh, and the Eagles have a successful season, you know, it's not like the Eagles are trying to push him out the door. Um, that's that's all his decision. But he, the way he's talked to his friends on the offensive line, he's kind of told them that this is his last year. And, and so, unless he changes his mind, uh, yeah, and that's one of the reasons. The Eagles were so gung-ho. I think I said on your show, I picked, you know, and everybody, I picked Cam Jurgens in the second round for the Eagles. Right. It's kind of well-known around the building how, how much they liked that particular player. Um, and, and you know, they're very cognizant of what having a good center has meant for this team over Jason Kelsey's run. And they want to make sure that they have a, a good plan in place. And and by the way, they did that the year prior with Landon Dickerson. It just happened to be he was forced into action because of injuries to Brandon Brooks and Isaac Sayamalo, and he was so good at left guard, they don't want to move him now. They've so. had a run of guys, too, though, that they got, you know, Hank Fraley, uh, Jackson, Jamal Jackson. These guys were like undrafted guys. Uh, and Kelsey, they got him deep. They, they've had a run of finding guys uh, to play that spot. Yeah, they, they have, and I've heard people bring that up. Um, and, and Jason himself was only a six-round pick. Um, and they did, you know, Hank Bradley turned into a, a capable starter, and so did Jamal, maybe even more than capable. But they're not Jason Kelsey. And the Eagles, uh, and they weren't Jason Kelsey. The Eagles know what having a, a an all-pro at that position means now. Um, they, they hadn't had it for a long time. Um, and yeah, I mean, I guess you can get lucky, but I kind of said that yesterday on the show. I, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't plan on duplicating hey, a listen, six round pick. If Jurgens can into- play, I will certainly, uh, be fine with the fact that they took him in the second round. If he ends up saying, Hey, this guy turned into another Jason Kelsey, maybe uh, expecting another Kelsey is not fair, but if he turns into a, the anchor of your line, not in terms of best player, but, you know, that you can run your offense differently because you have a talent such as Kelsey there, right? They they can do different things yeah, because I mean, of Kelsey. Yeah, he's, he's probably the most athletic center that ever lived, to be honest. Uh, you know, you see him running downfield at times on some of these plays, some of the highlights. You never see that. You never see that with offensive linemen. Um, it's, it's pretty amazing. So, yeah, even guys drafted in the in the second round or the first round um i've heard people say i remember when garrett bradbury got drafted people were raving about his athleticism and how he was like jason kelsey first round pick and he's been terrible uh you know i mean it, it there's there's more to it jason's also a very smart player has a tremendous football iq he's got tremendous technique so when he is playing against guys like Vita Bea, who are so powerful, or in practice against Jordan Davis, he used to talk about Lynn. Jason used to talk about how strong Linball Joseph was for years. You know, a lot of times those guys will just take 
athletic undersized centers and push them back into the quarterback sort of what you saw in that yeah that viral video which which Jordan Davis by the way talked about today and he was not happy that that went viral because you know one rep is one rep and Cam's gotten the best of him in practice as well but um you know there's a lot to playing the position and Jason Kelsey is, you know, special. There's not a lot of Hall of Fame specials. And I don't think he's a slam dunk. Not, not a lot of Hall of Fame centers. I don't think he's a slam dunk, but I think there's a very good chance he's going to be in, in Canton. Um, and there's not many in Canton. No, uh, and uh, the Eagles have been spoiled with Jason Kelsey, and we'll see uh, if he can get back by that first game. John, you kind of hinted that you think that he will. We will see uh, his replacement, who's already been drafted, Cam Jurgens, uh, probably for the first time on Friday night. You asked Nick Sirianni today. John McMullen's with us here, Sports Illustrated, uh, and host of Birds 365 on the Jacob Media YouTube channel. John, about uh, how much this first preseason game is kind of like the dress rehearsal, a run-through for everybody, uh, communication, the coaching staff, uh, everything. And, uh, you know, he, he mentioned that he's huge on communication. So uh, what is uh, what in this first game is he, do you think, really looking for? Yeah, I mean, I th- that to me is always like a, a big part of the preseason that very few people think about, especially with young coaches. It, it's probably not quite as important this year as it was when he was a rookie. But, you know, those there's 40 seconds on the play co- clock. Anybody who's been on the sidelines of an NFL game, you know, I think people sit back and they obviously they like to play armchair quarterback after the fact. That next play comes up quick, man. And you got to have that communication. Everybody's got to be on the same page. You got to have, you know, however you're going to set it up or the position coach is going to be in charge of rotations. You know, obviously we now know that Shane Steichen is the play caller. Uh, but, you know, in between series, Nick Sirianni is going to make it very clear, uh, what he wants run. Um, Obviously, there's the obvious things, the challenges, um, dealing with the officials, um, how how he interacts with Jonathan Gannon on the defensive side of the football as the CEO coach and Michael Clay with the special teams. Uh, to me, in a lot of ways, preseason is more about how the coaching staff is going to have have to handle game days than it is the players. The players are, you're just evaluating. You're just running plays and evaluating. And, and, and when you do have the starters in there for the short period, you do try to get them as sharp as possible. You're not game planning. You're not trying to take advantage of weaknesses on the, the opposition. So to me, in a lot of ways that, that under the radar stuff is more important. Like if you see flubs and you see, time management issues that to me is a bigger concern than than anything else when you're watching preseason football because coaches take it seriously as as an actual dress rehearsal yeah i mean and in these games john how many friday night are i don't want to say you know battling for starting jobs i think most of those but how many how many roster spots are up for grabs and how many of those players are going to be kind of using these games as a way to make the team because that's kind of changed the way it used to be 
Yeah, especially for the back end guys. The back end guys don't don't get a lot of reps in practice, uh, to be honest. And you know, the, uh, we were talking to Denard Wilson, the secondary coach, a couple weeks ago, and because the Eagles have so many cornerbacks on the roster, uh, twelve. They had thirteen before they cut Craig James. They have twelve. Um, you barely get to see guys on the back end. Uh, and 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 they're going to be playing a lot in preseason, so that's where they get a chance to open the coach's eyes. But to be honest, not a lot of spots on the fifty-three are open. Maybe three, four, maybe the back end. Uh, the coach has got it pretty, and injuries could always up, up you know, create upheaval there. But um, they got a pretty like, for instance, they're. Tr- cross-training Josiah Scott in, in the defensive backfield, slot corner, safety. Uh, same with Andre Sachere, uh, playing a little bit of, of slot corner to go along with his uh, safety role. Um, that That's a clear indication to me that the defensive coaching staff is getting them ready for the 53. Um, and it, it, the, the good thing for the lower guys on on the roster is that the practice squad, they kept it at the COVID level. So they expanded it for COVID to 16, um, which includes six veterans, and they liked it, and they liked how it worked, uh, and, and, and they were able to keep it at 16, and the coaches like that. So you have a very large practice squad and a very good opportunity uh, for players to stick around and, you know, start that slow climb upward. But the Eagles are, trust me, the coaches are pretty well locked in on that final 53 already. Uh, um, that's interesting. Um, one question, I guess, um, Sirianni was asked about the performance or the assessment of uh, Gardner Minshew, and uh, we keep hearing uh, the third quarterback, Reed uh, Sinet, has been a guy that has kind of popped off the page. Has he started to get some reps over Minshew at practice? Uh, he has, uh, but I, I don't. I don't think that has as much to do with Gardner as it has to do with sort of rewarding uh, Reed Sinet, who's played pretty well. And I think a lot of us thought, well, maybe Carson Strong has a chance to be that developmental quarterback and. Reed Sinet is is closer to Gardner Minshew than than Carson Strong is to Reed Sinet. It's been that much of a blowout to this point. Now, maybe that changes in preseason. Everybody talks about there's game players. You're going to see a lot of Reed Sinet and a lot of Carson Strong. So maybe Carson can kind of close uh, the gap from that perspective. And Gardner, the Eagles know what Gardner is and know what he can do. And he's a very good backup. Um, and he's, you know, had a shaky camp at times. Uh, too many turnovers. A lot of them, though, to be honest, have been not his fault. Tip balls. Um, you know, guys not making catches. Uh, there was one today, a little bit behind. I think it was Lance Lenore. Um, wasn't your- wasn't a great pass, but he he should have caught it. And all of a sudden, it turns into an interception. Pops off him, and Christian uh, Ellis, the linebacker, picked it off. Um, that's happened two or three times to Gardner. So some of the turnovers, 
haven't been his fault. Remember, he's playing with second and third team receivers most of the time, so he doesn't get to throw to A.J. Brown and Dallas Goddard. Uh, so it, the Eagles are very, very comfortable with Gardner Minshew as a backup quarterback. All right, last one for John on this Wednesday edition. Uh, Britton Covey, uh, is he your Paul Turner? Is he your Mr. Lehigh? Is he your <laughs> Hank Basket? Or is he a threat to make this 53? Boy, I, 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 I think he's only a threat if the Eagles trade Jalen Rager. Um, and I, I do think there's a chance that they could trade Jalen Rager. They're not going to cut him. Um, but I, I don't think he can make the 53 if Jalen's still here because Jalen's going to be the punt returner. Jalen's going to be the kickoff returner. That's going to be his role uh, if he is here. I still think a change of scenery would be the best Wait, you situation. think Rager's going to be the kick and punt guy over uh, everybody? Yeah, yeah, I do. The Eagles put out their unofficial depth chart, upset people, which is unofficial, but he's he's the top kick returner, the punt returner. Now, recently in practice, he hasn't been taking those reps, but that's because he's been taking first-team reps at receiver because of the injuries there, and he's taken a ton of first-team reps, and he's actually had a good camp. So I, I still think the best situation for both sides would be that change of scenery. Um, but if they can't move, Jalen Rager is going to be here, and that's going to be his role. That's going to be his role, the punt returner, the kick returner. And he's not going to have a big impact on offense unless there are injuries, and unless guys, uh, you know, you start suffering some attrition there. Um, so it's kind of dependent on, on that. You know, today was probably the most interesting part of today's practice. Uh, Anthony Harris was out with uh, a dental issue, uh, so nothing serious. But um, it, with Marcus Epps, um, it, it, Andre Sachere got some first-team reps ahead of Kayvon Wallace. And Reed Blankenship got some first-team reps ahead of Kayvon Wallace. Undrafted kid from Middle Tennessee State. So he's obviously opened somebody's eyes to be in that position. Uh, and, and the preseason will obviously be very important for him. Uh, but that safety room is getting a little interesting because Joukowsky Tart has been out with a personal issue uh, the past few days. Had been a world beater anyway. Uh, as I mentioned, they moved Scott there. They moved Sachere there. So they're not comfortable. It's pretty clear they're not comfortable with Kayvon Wallace and, and uh, Chikwaski Tart behind Marcus Epps and Anthony Harris. So they're looking for other other avenues. All right. Uh, that's a look at the Eagles as they get ready for Friday's preseason opener against the Jets. Ton of information there from John McMullen. You can check him out. Uh, weekday mornings at 8 a.m. on Birds 365 on the Jacob Media YouTube channel and uh, his writings over at uh, SI.com. And of course, right here, 3 o'clock on the Sports Bash Live on 97.3 ESPN. I've already got a ton of people, Johnny Mac, that are like, I love hearing McMullen back. So uh, you are you are well liked in this uh, market. All right, I appreciate that. Well, that's a million more than uh, what'd you say the number? That's a million more than I ex expected. So All a right. lot of you said a lot. Yes, man. Well, it's good to talk to you.
All right. Thanks, Mike. Appreciate right. it. Johnny Mac is back here at 3 o'clock uh, on the Sports Bash Live, 97.3 ESPN. We'll have him back tomorrow, getting you more information and ready for that Eagles preseason opener. I'm Mike Gill. This is the Sports Bash, and we got another winning name coming up right now. Michael Maine. Michael Maine. You are qualified for that Eagles road trip to Washington to see the Eagles take on the Commanders. All you need to do is go to our website, 973ESPN.com. Michael Maine, he figured out how to enter. It wasn't hard to do. Tell him, Michael, it was pretty easy. And now Michael has a shot to go to Washington to see the Eagles take on the Commanders. One lucky listener is going. You can qualify now. Go to our website, 973ESPN.com. We'll be live on Happy Hour Friday, August 26th at Garden State Brewery. I'm looking forward to this place. 16 beers on tap. You must be present to win. We'll announce the winner, and Philly Sports Trips is going to do the rest. They'll get you there. They'll get you the tickets. They'll get you the tailgate. They'll get you the bus ride to Washington. Carson Wentz and the Commanders. Michael Maine. If you have not entered to win... Go to our website now, 973ESPN.com. What are you waiting for? It's an Eagles road trip for free. It's right here with the Sports Bash live on 973ESPN. Michael Maine is our latest qualifier. We'll have another name coming up for you, maybe this hour, definitely next hour. Just listen for your name with the Sports Bash live on 973ESPN. Now. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done. On 97.3 ESPN. Enter to win an Eagles road trip. Go to our website, 973ESPN.com. Looking forward to that. If I call your name out on the Sports Bash, you'll be a part of the Happy Hour Friday show, August 26th at Garden State Brewery. We'll be live giving away the road trip from our friends at Philly Sports Trips. To enter, just go to our website, 973ESPN.com. All the details are there. Or download the free mobile app in the Apple Store or Google Play and listen for your name every hour on the Sports Bash here on 973ESPN. Some text messages. We asked you earlier in the show, What's the first concert you've been to? What's the last concert you've been to? And what's the next concert you want to see? Text 609-403-0973. 609-403-0973. I've got the Phillies lineup as uh, we talked about earlier today. I'll give it to you here. Um, we got uh, Schwarber, Hoskins, Bohm, Realmuto, Castellanos, Hall, Segura, Stott, Mars. Syndergaard gets the call tonight. That's your starting lineup. You got the right-handed pitcher uh, with Alcantara going, so you got the left-handed lineup. That's the one thing with this lineup. Schwarber leads off. He's lefty. 
At the bottom of the order, you got Stott and Marsh. That's lefty, lefty, lefty. Three lefties in a row. Uh, so a team that you face, you know, that has a good left-hander in the bullpen, something like that, you might have to do something with breaking those guys up. You have Hall tonight as the DH. So uh, he's another lefty. So tonight you got one, two, three, four left-handers uh, in the lineup tonight. Alcantara going for Florida, the right-handed pitcher. Syndergaard goes for the Phillies. That's your Phillies lineup tonight as they take on the Marlins. They beat them last night 4-1, to one, looking to make it uh, two straight now uh, in this series and win this series. Two games, obviously, would get them that series win. They swept them the last time they faced them in Florida. So things are starting to turn around a little bit against the Marlins. I want to get into this Kevin Durant story. Um, I don't know. Like, is this a real thing in your mind? According to Ann Begley, who has been around and covered the league for a while, uh, he works for SNY TV up in New York, there are high-ranking members of the Sixers who felt strongly about engaging with Brooklyn on a Kevin Durant trade. Now, he's also saying that the Sixers are one of Durant's Basically, desired landing spots. Boston's one. We knew about Phoenix and Miami. Is it realistic that the Sixers could swoop in and trade for Kevin Durant? You know, the Sixers went through this last year. Ben Simmons gave them the ultimatum that I don't want to be here anymore. Kevin Durant presented that same ultimatum to the Nets, except he gave him an out. He said, trade me or get rid of GM Sean Marks and head coach Steve Nash. Look, if I'm the Nets, Kevin Durant has already proven he can't be a general manager. He has no leg to stand on in that department. If I'm owner Joe Sy, I say, listen, Kevin, I gave you everything you asked for. If you want to sit out the season, that's great. But I'm not trading you for pennies on the dollar. Same situation that happened with the Sixers. Now, Brian Windhorst suggested that him going to the owner with this quote-unquote demand is Durant's way of trying to speed the process up. Because no one is calling the Nets in recent weeks with suitable deals. As Windhorst said this morning, quote, he has asked for a trade. It hasn't been granted. He has asked for the coach and general manager to be fired, and that hasn't been granted. And so now, how do you go forward and report to training camp when you've been told no? That's now the coming drama with this situation. That's what Windhorst said this morning. He basically, Kevin Durant, has gone in and said, this is what I want. And the Nets have basically stared back at him and said, it's like the blinking guy on Twitter. He just kind of blinks back at you. Good for the Nets. I get it. Durant is one of the greatest players of all time. But you cannot let Kevin Durant come and bully you around. Now, the problem is, do you want him just to sit out? Do you want this whole thing to turn into a complete dumpster fire? And that's where this gets interesting. Because, according to Ann Begley, there are some high-ranking members of the Sixers organization who have been interested in a trade conversation, at least, with the Nets. Now, that Net conversation is going to start with, okay, we'll take Tyrese Maxey, Tobias Harris, Matisse Thybul, and a couple of draft picks. 
Now, the Sixers don't have a lot of draft picks because they already owe two to Brooklyn for the Ben Simmons deal with James Harden. But I guess the question, and, and like, by the way, there are some sources out there that have kind of confirmed that the Durant has interest in playing for the Sixers. So it's not like, hey, does Kevin Durant really want to play for the Sixers? There have been some people who have kind of confirmed that Durant has interest in playing for the Sixers. Which isn't all that surprising. I mean, of course, Kevin Durant sees James Harden. He sees Joel Embiid and says, eh, that's not a place I wouldn't mind going. The question really is, how many people out there would be interested in trading Tyrese Maxey for Kevin Durant? Plus all the other things. I mean, really, there's a lot more. But that would be really the biggest component is you have this popular young player who right now is the guy that many people out there don't want to give up, right? How many people out there are all that excited about giving up on uh, Tyrese Maxey? Not many. But you got to trade Tyrese Maxey if you're getting Kevin Durant back in return. 609-403-0973. Would you trade Maxey for Durant? Forget the other pieces, because I know you trade Tobias Harris. I know you trade Matisse Stiebel. You could care less about those guys. But it's Maxi. Would you do it? I mean, you got to do it in a heartbeat. You can't say no to that. You just can't. The Sixers... I don't think the Sixers have the draft capital. But do they have the player? Now, the Celtics is another team. Boston is a team that Durant apparently, um, and he wants to play with Marcus Smart. I mean, this is all just ridiculous when you think about it. Where was the Sixers in Boston a month and a half ago? Where were those teams when... Where were those teams when this originally came out of teams that he would be interested in? Remember, it was only Phoenix and Miami. Now, all of a sudden, there's more teams that possibly could be interesting to Kevin Durant. Uh, It sounds a little odd, but maybe it's the fact that he realizes I can't get these other teams to be a part of it. Or the Phoenix situation, when they brought DeAndre Ayton back, that seemed to be gone. The Ben Simmons contract and, and Bam Adebayo's contract, you can't put them on the same team so that's challenging 609-403-0973 first concert last concert next concert i got a bunch of them i'll read them off when we come back let me know your first concert you've ever been to the last concert you've ever been to and the next concert you're going to go to there's a concert in atlantic city this weekend right you got that tidal wave concert bunch of country acts, none of which I know. I don't know one act over there. Is that bad? Should I know some of those acts? Fish was here this weekend. I've actually seen Fish in action. I saw them when I was in high school. Wasn't my first show, though. First concert you've ever been to. 
the most recent concert you've ever been to, and the next concert you want to go to, let me know. Hit me up on the text board, 609-403-0973. I'll read them off, and then uh, football at four. Coming up in uh, about 20 minutes from now. I'm Mike Gill, and this is the Sports Bash. Now, back to more sports. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done. On 97.3 ESPN, South Jersey's sports leader. All right, 347 on the Sports Bash, 97.3 ESPN. Jeff Mosher has football at four coming up. 13 minutes. Don't forget, enter to win a trip to go see the Eagles in Washington. Go to our website, 97.3ESPN.com to enter and get the details on how, when, where. Uh, text messages are coming in on the text board at 609-403-0973. Mike, I won't entertain a trade for KD. He might be a great offensive player, but what is to say that he would be happy and engaged with the team in four months? As we've seen, he's not loyal to any team. Rotten egg. Don't want him. Um, it's a fair comment to make. He, he, I mean, but to be fair, and listen, I have definitely been... Uh, Durant was my favorite player, and then he just i completely lost him when he went to Golden State. I thought that was weak sauce. But, to be fair, he did play in Oklahoma City for nine years. I mean, it's not like he just got out of there the first chance that he, that he could. He stuck it out there for nine seasons. He played in Seattle for one and then they moved to Oklahoma City. So he played nine years with that franchise. He went to Golden State, won his two titles, and then and left. It wasn't like he left because he didn't want to, you know, the team was bad. They won two championships. And then he went and basically went to Brooklyn, and this has turned into a disaster for him. This Brooklyn thing has really tainted his legacy. Look, people remember him basically for leaving Oklahoma to go to Golden State and then this disaster in Brooklyn, more than him being a two-time MVP of the finals and winning two NBA championships, to be fair. But I understand what that text message is saying, and I don't fault you for that thought. 609-403-0973. First concert, last concert, next concert. Uh, Phil checks in. First concert, Grateful Dead. I never got to see a dead show. Um, Jerry kind of passed away when I was young. I mean, I was like old enough. I mean, I probably was 18, 19, 20 when Garcia passed away, but I didn't get to a Grateful Dead show uh, while he was alive. Uh, Counting Crows was the last show last Monday at the Bethlehem Music Festival. Now, I think I've seen Counting Crows before. I'm pretty sure I did. I think they opened up for somebody. I'm not 100% sure on that. You would think I would remember if I saw a concert, but I have gone to so many concerts I kind of forget. I'm pretty sure, though, I went to Counting Crows. And next concert for Phil says he has tickets for The Who 
at the Dolby Arena in Las Vegas. Something may come up in AC before that, though. Um, I've seen The Who twice. Very good show. Saw them at Boardwalk Hall both times. That's a good list, though. Grateful Dead, Counting Crows, and The Who. First concert, Grateful Dead. Last concert, concert, Counting Crows. That was Monday night. I like the fact that it was, like, so recent. First concert, last concert, next concert. Mike, uh, first concert I ever went to was Leonard Skinner and Allman Brothers, 38 Special at JFK. It's a nice one right there, a little 38 Special. Allman Brothers and Skinner, that's a great concert. Last concert I went to uh, was Allison Krauss, Robert Plant at The Man. By the way, The Man Music Center is where I saw my first concert, which was STP. And he says, next concert is the Delaware Valley Bluegrass Festival at Salem County Fairgrounds. I don't know who's playing there. So uh, that sounds like, uh, you know, right up my alley with my West Virginia roots there. We used to go to the uh, wine and jazz festivals out there all the time in Morgantown. I like that, though. The uh, first concert is a good one there. Leonard Skinner, Allman Brothers, 38 Special. JFK Stadium, that's a great one. Uh, first concert, this is from Paul, Blink-182, he must be in my age bracket, Paul, Blink-182, last concert, Incubus, and your next concert, Red Hot Chili Peppers. I've seen the Chili Peppers before, saw them at the Wells Fargo Center. I do not believe I saw Blink-182 or Incubus. In fact, I think I'm pretty sure I haven't seen either one of those two. Um, again, I went to so many concerts for a while from like 2002 to 2005. I went to a ton of concerts to the point that I barely remember some of the ones that I went to. Uh, first concert, last concert, next concert. Let's see. A couple more uh, coming here on the Sports Bash. Uh, Rob from Millville. First concert, David Cassidy at the Wildwood Convention Center around 1970. How about that? Last concert, Elton John. Um, I'm imagining that's the one that was up in Philly, right? Next concert, Rolling Stones, if they ever tour the U.S. again. Um, That's a good question. Are the Stones still touring? The Elton John concert, was that the one in Philly that everybody seemed to go to? I feel like everybody and their mothers went to that one. Uh, This one is from Victor in Linwood. First concert, Doobie Brothers with Michael McDonald. Got to have a nice little Michael McDonald, right? The soothing tones of Michael McDonald. Your last concert for Victor in Linwood is uh, Lady Antebellum. And your next concert, Keith Urban. It sounds like a couple country acts there, which uh, I don't really uh, know too much about right there. Where's Keith Urban playing? Is he going to be a part of this Tidal Wave Festival thing down on the beach in Atlantic City this weekend? I would imagine that uh, I have no idea what age bracket Keith Urban is. You know, and I say that because when I was in West Virginia, they had a lot of country stations on the radio down there, but it was like old school country, right? It was like, you know, um, Travis Tritt and like Garth Brooks country, not like this poppy stuff that basically is like uh, pop music now. We're talking country music, man. Uh, Keith Urban, is he in that bracket? Uh, Tom from Summers Point. First concert, uh, Social Club, Beastie Boys, LL Cool J, Run DMC. That sounds like a, a heck of a festival there. Last concert, Kid Rock. And next concert, Zach Brown. Now, Zach Brown, I do know who that is. I don't 
I have not been to a Zach Brown concert. I do know who that is, though. I've heard of Zach Brown. Uh, Kid Rock would be an interesting show. And the other concert, Run DMC, LL Cool J, Beastie Boys, that uh, that had to be a uh, that had to be a night out, right? Six zero nine four zero three zero nine seven three. Back to the Durant stuff, Mike. No way you trade for KD. Maxi's potential is better than Durant's current. Sixers window is longer with Maxi. Now that's ridiculous. Maxi's potential is not better than Durant's. I mean, Maxi's a great player, but to say that he's got a better potential than Kevin Durant, who's one of the all-time greatest scorers in the history of the game, you can't say that. See, this is where the Sixers fans sometimes get blinded by, like, an exciting young kid. Durant averages 27 points a game for his career. I mean, he's 33 years old last year, scoring 30 points a game. Maxie's not going to score 30 a night. Can't get on board with that. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, Mike, imagine this Nets starting lineup. Curry, Maxi, Simmons, Harris, Drummond. Yeah, that would be a Sixers lineup, right? Pretty funny. Uh, first concert, 1979, Kiss at the Spectrum. I was five and remember all my neighbors went also. 79, Kiss at the Spectrum. That's a concert right there. That's a, You're five years old. Do you remember the songs? Like, Do you remember anything from the concert? Last concert, Modest Mouse at the Electric Factory. That's a banger right there. Modest Mouse at the Electric Factory. Love to see Modest Mouse in the Electric Factory. My favorite Modest Mouse song is probably one that most people don't know. It's called Parking Lot. Check it out. Next concert, Animal Collective. Not sure who that is. 97.3 ESPN presents the Sports Bash with Mike Gill. It's time for Football at Four with Jeff Mosier. My personality is I, I want to win badly. I want to win more Lombardis for Philadelphia and our fans. we got the greatest fans around, and I will do everything possible. Powered by the Inside the Birds podcast. Now, live from inside the Matt Black Kia Studios. This is Football at Four. Football at Four is powered by the Inside the Birds podcast. And it is brought to you, of course, by our friends over at the Gallery Bar Book and Games in Ocean Casino Resort. This football season, cheers your favorite drinks while cheering on your favorite team. Go to Gallery and Ocean Casino Resort to go for the win. For more information, visit OceanAC.com. Must be 21 or older to play. Gambling problem. Call 1-800-GAMBLER. All right, Mike Gill with you. Jeff Mosher from InsideTheBirds.com and the Inside the Birds podcast is here as uh, the Eagles uh, one day closer to Friday night's matchup uh, with the uh, New York Jets. And, Mosher, let's start with uh, what possibly uh, – one thing that uh, Nick Sirianni said today that I guess stands out is that the starters are going to get one to two series in that game. And I guess uh, that's notable because we all kind of figured eh, we're not going to see any starters to, in, in the preseason. So it looks like we will see starters at least for a couple series on Friday night. Yeah, I was – Sort of, um, sort of surprised as you were when you heard it. I mean, the way they've been following their regimen going back to OTAs, everything they do is with careful uh, preservation of bodies. So it surprised me a little bit, Mike. But then when you when you sit back and think of it, one, he didn't fully commit to anything other than one or two series. And then two, if you look at the state of the starters right now, there are a lot of guys who you would consider starters who are probably not going to play because they've been out of practice. 
you know, we're talking about Jason Kelsey. I mean, I know Fletcher Cox is, uh, you know, was, was uh, ramping up from COVID for the first five or six days. I kind of wonder if you'll really see him. Uh, Boston Scott's been out. Kenneth Gamewell's been out. Uh, so I, I don't know exactly. When he says starters are going to be playing, um, it almost feels like some starters will be playing. Even that left tackle with Maialata and Dillard, they came back. But is he going to start them um, in this game after they just came back from injuries? I think that's something we have to see. Yeah, and I know that, um, you know, you got uh, a couple of the left tackle spot, too. Are you going to play those two guys with the concussion situations there? Um, are we going to see a full brigade, I guess, of starters? That remains to be seen. We do know we're not going to see Jason Kelsey, Jeff Mosher. So kind of give us some insight on uh, how long we might not see Kelsey for. Will he be ready for the opener? And what's the plan behind uh, Kelsey now? Yeah, I would think he'll be ready for the opener because of the time allotted. Uh, between now and then, there's still several weeks for the opener to go. Uh, he's got that long streak of consecutive games played, I think in 123 games. And I imagine that they knew that, or at least they felt that if he got the elbow done now, that he would be able to have that under control and healthy enough by the time that they take the field on September 11th. Um, so it sounds uh, it was bothering him. He was trying to play through it if it would get better. It did not, and they felt like this was the best time to get it taken care of to make sure that he's ready as close as possible to the season opener. I know uh, depth chart is put out by the PR staff here, but were there any surprises with that first depth chart of this preseason that was released uh, uh, earlier this week, uh, you know, I guess one that we can, you know, maybe go over is the the, the returner uh, was Jalen Rager was listed as the starter at both spots. Is that an indication that he's going to be a um, you know surely on this team? But any takeaways from the um, from the depth chart? No, I mean it's hard to do a takeaway because it's really how I mean, some teams have their PR staff fill them out. I have no idea if this was really done by Nick Sirianni or anybody or Howie Roseman, or if it was just simply done by um, the PR folks. So, yeah, I thought it stood out to me that Jalen Rager was a kick returner. Um, and the punt returner. Yeah, taking reps there. And punt, well, punt returner didn't stand out because, you know, that, he was a punt returner. He was, I know he didn't excel at it last year, but oh. if he's going to be on the 53 here, then, you know, and he's not a starting wide receiver, you'd imagine that he would be in the mix at punt return, if not the leading candidate. It doesn't mean, listen, none of this means anything. I mean, I still think there's a, a big question mark about whether he's going to be on this team uh, in two or three weeks when, when the roster is, is decided. But for now, kick return, punt return. And then I saw defensive end Brandon Graham is a starter, but they also kind of have, Josh Sweat as a starting defensive end and Reddick as the starting defensive, uh, starting Sam linebacker with Cox and Hargrave at DT. So that's, that's probably not a look that we'll see a whole lot. I mean, I, I imagine you'll see Jordan Davis in there when they want to have kind of a five man front or a 34 type front. And when they want to be a four three team and rush the passer, 
it's probably when you'll see Brandon Graham in that kind of rotational defensive end role. Yeah, I know that um, we're all kind of like, oh, what are they going to do up front defensively? It, it seems like the answer is everything. They're going to do three-man fronts, four-man fronts, five-man fronts. It's just going to basically depend on team they play, maybe down in distance. Uh, have we gotten any better indication? Uh, and do we think we'll get any indication on that on Friday night? Or is it just a fluid week-to-week, play-to-play, quarter-to-quarter, game-to-game? I mean, you know, so the thing is, Mike, I think like as a market in Philadelphia, after we had Jim Schwartz here for, you know, like 16, 17, about five years, that was a key five years for how the league was starting to change up front philosophically, doing a lot of multiple fronts. I mean, the Patriots have been doing it for a long time, but obviously Vic Fangio um, has been with like two teams in that five-year span and other teams have copycatted from him. And, you know, Jim was very simplistic, right? It was a four-man front. And you're, everybody's going to go rush at the quarterback. So now when we talk about the stuff, we're like, what are we going to see? And, and other teams, in, I guess, around the league have had this conversation already. <laughs> the Eagles are sort of catching up to it. So the, to answer your question, yeah, you're probably going to see mixes of, of everything, depending on down and distance. And I, I even don't think after week one we're going to truly learn what their defense is. I think it's going to be, well, I know it's going to be matchup driven. And so who you're playing on a week to week basis, is going to determine what kind of fronts and formations you're going to be in primarily when you play those teams. Jeff Mosher inside the birds.com. Any, um, things specifically, I mean, cause you won't be back on for football for the rest of the week here. So what are you going to be looking for, uh, in terms of, uh, roster battles, position battles, some of the things that have kind of stuck out in training camp that you'll get your first chance to see on Friday night? Well, I think Britton Covey stands out right away. You, you, this is a rookie free agent who has impressed the team with his ability to not only return punts but show some quickness and short area bursts in the wide receiver game. And I imagine he's going to get a lot of opportunities to showcase himself. If Jalen Rager's not on this team, uh, then Britain, it's because Britton Covey, you know, made the 53 as both a punt returner and then down the road probably get him in on the offense and slot receiver if he's ready for it. So you'll be watching for him. I think the quarterbacks will be pretty interesting. Obviously, Jalen, if he plays, is only going to play a little bit. But Reed Smith has had a really good camp, and he's pushing to be the number three. He's pushing him to keep three uh, quarterbacks if, if they want to do that. I don't know, but I know Carson Strong came in with the name and the big arm, but Reed Sinet has really stood out from that standpoint. I mean, I think safety, you're going to have to look at the safety spot because this is a really, really weak spot. You know, Adam and I uh, have both been told by the team, that, uh, by our sources, I said, that uh, the team is, is sort of, uh, you know, looking at that spot saying, Every, we're also pretty solid, but this one we need to, to maybe do something at. I mean, Marcus Epps is, is going to be a starter. He's probably their best. He's their best coverage safety. He might even be their best safety at this point. You know, Anthony Harris has been out uh, with a tooth thing or tooth issue. I don't, I don't know beyond that. But um, Kavon Wallace has not been overly impressive in his career so far. And Jaquaski Tart's been away from the team for personal reasons. And we were told that, you know, he was sort of learning the defense and, not exactly doing things to make you think that he's definite to make the team to begin with. And, you know, I know McMullen was on with you guys earlier and talked about Reed Blankenship getting some, some run on the first team recently. And same thing with Andre Sachere. And, and while that's good stories for them, it's not 
necessarily a great yeah. story for the Philadelphia Eagles. <laughs> right, that uh, some guys who are very green uh, could be big factors. Um, another green guy, Josiah Scott, uh, what uh, kind of mm-hmm. uh, possibilities uh, does he have to make the team? He was a guy that, you know, they, they brought in last year. It was in Jacksonville. Uh, most people just thought he was kind of like a, a nickel corner, but uh, um, are they getting him prepared to be a versatile guy to give him a better shot to make this team? Yeah, they are. And right now, if the competition ended today and they kept five cornerbacks, you would imagine he would make the fifth because of his versatility, the ability to play the slot, the ability to play outside, the ability to play safety, which they've lined him up in camp. You need that, especially with what you want to do defensively, and that's doing a lot of mirror and match coverage or pattern matching, as they call it. You need as many cover guys uh, on the back end to pull that off. I mean, having safeties who come up in the box is not your or, or corners you can't really run or who can only play one spot is not ideal when you're trying to do those things that Jonathan Gannon is trying to do. And, you know, we were told that Josiah Scott has clearly excelled uh, when you look at that group of potential fifth corners that includes Mac McCain and Terry Vincent Jr. and uh, trying to think of some other names that are out there. But, um, no, uh, like Mario Goodrich and Josh Job. We were told Job's doing a nice job, but really right now it would be Josiah Scott's that fifth corner with, you know, Bradbury and Slay and Avante Maddox as your top three and Zach McPherson as your four. Yeah, I know um, a lot of people are always liking to see the younger players. So Friday night, do you anticipate seeing Jordan Davis? I mean, he said one to two series. Does that mean everybody or, hey, I'm placating and just going to tell you. I know he's been getting pushed on. Why wouldn't you know if the starters are playing? So I think his answer today was more like placating to, oh, yeah, maybe one or two series and that could change. Yeah, I would think you would see Jordan Davis out there, although I don't know. You know, last year, if I recall correctly in the preseason opener, he did play his starters for maybe a series or two, but everybody except for Miles Sanders. For whatever reason, Miles Sanders did not play, and I remember everybody sort of speculating, what does that mean? Is he in the doghouse and this or that? But he didn't play, um, and he wasn't in the doghouse. He started the season as the, as the starting running back. So uh, I don't know if they're going to look at Jordan Davis and say, we really don't have – another nose tackle that can do as many things as he can do and we can't afford him to get hurt uh, but you have to also weigh the fact that you got to see the guy play and you got to know he can hold up against NFL competition so i imagine if he does play um he'll 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 see a series or two before coming out yeah i know um and then you got Jurgens who's a second round pick you you know um who will probably now play because uh, of the fact that Kelsey's out i guess the other question is in your mind, you guys talked about this on the podcast, and, and we talked about a guy on Monday uh, when we were looking at stock up, which was Reed Sinet. Is he in any sort of possibility of passing over Gardner Minshew? I don't think so. I really don't. Um, you know, it's one thing to be impressed with a guy's abilities and his talents, and it's another thing to be able to just boost him up over a guy like Gardner Minshew who has had – Really, I mean, good success in this league for a backup quarterback and even kind of an emergency starter like he was for the Jaguars. I know that Minshew hasn't had the best camp. Some of the interceptions haven't been his fault. Um, but even even still, I, I think that they're just looking for more development. And or if they were to get rid of Gardner Minshew, who is in the last year of his deal, if they were to trade him at the deadline, they might want to be comfortable with reaching as a backup. And so they need to get a look, and they will get a very long look at him here in the three season, preseason games to see what he's made of. All right. Uh, well, it's all Friday night right here 
on 97.3 ESPN. 6.30, the pregame. 7.30, Merrill Reese and Mike Quick. And by the way, like Merrill Reese, we, we had so many um, huge Philadelphia personalities and, and, and you know, people – uh, cherish as many more seasons as you get to hear Merrill Reese. As long as he wants to keep doing it, uh, 7.30, he's back with Mike Quick right here on 97.3 ESPN. So Merrill Reese, Mike Quick, Friday night. Looking forward to that. Jeff Mosher, all right, buddy. We will uh, be recapping all the action on Monday when you're back for Football at Four. All right, Mike. Take care. Thanks. All uh, right, that's Jeff Mosher from Inside the Birds, the Inside the Birds podcast. And, of course, uh, tomorrow, Andrew DeCecco, who was at training camp either today or yesterday, uh, will get some insight from him on what he sees, uh, the roster battles and everything breaking down. That's all right here on the Sports Bash Live on 97.3 ESPN, the 97.3 ESPN free mobile app where you can download the app in the Apple Store, Google Play. It's free to do, and you can enter to win a trip to go see the Eagles take on Washington in Washington. All you need to do is go to our website, 973ESPN.com, and enter the form. If I call your name, uh, you are entered. And in being entered means you have a shot to go down uh, with Philly sports trips on the bus. They're sending a bus of Eagles fans down to Washington to cheer on the Eagles against the Commanders. And uh, we want to send you down there, but you have to enter to win, go to 973ESPN.com, and if I call your name out, uh, you're going to go see the Eagles in Washington. Carson Wentz, we told you earlier in the show, the reports have not been good about his accuracy. Uh, he's been all over the place, but uh, hey, that's their problem now, right? Speaking of their problem, how about this uh, whole story and this situation uh, in Brooklyn with Kevin Durant? It, this thing's taken on a life of its own. It really is. When you take a look at where this thing kind of started and where it's going now, holy mackerel, is this thing taking on a life of its own. You know, Durant has told the Nets he doesn't want to be there, but I will stay if you get rid of the coach and the GM. Like, the audacity of this guy to basically come in and continue to tell that organization how to run things. This is the thing that really, you know... We always just, like, take into account, like, the guy plays, he must know what he's talking about. There are guys who play the game, and you have the utmost respect for their opinion because they were students of the game. They played it, and then they studied it, and then they continued to study it. There are other people that play the game that really have complete lack of um, education on the game. Just because you are talented at the game you play doesn't necessarily mean you know a whole heck of a lot about the game. And I'm not suggesting that Kevin Durant doesn't know anything about basketball. He doesn't know how to be a general manager of a team, though. And this is where we talk about, like, oh, I need a football guy or a basketball guy. I don't want Kevin Durant making basketball decisions for my team. And I feel like these teams, these players, the audacity of Kevin Durant to tell the Nets, how to run things after the disaster of the last two seasons of him being there and how everything has turned out based on his recommendations. And I'm not saying it's all his fault. Injuries happen. But when you back Kyrie and he's not there for you, that's the GM, quote-unquote, saying, hey, I, 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 I put my faith into you. 
and you weren't there for me. A lot of the decisions that the Nets have made have been Kevin Durant-derived decisions. And at that point, you have to put your tail between your legs as the best player on that team and say, I'm just simply not making good decisions. Let somebody else take it over. The Nets, according to reports, have asked for Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown initially to get Kevin Durant. Like, what are they going to do in Philadelphia? Ask for Joel Embiid? Hey, we want Joel Embiid for Kevin Durant. Then does Kevin Durant want to play in Philadelphia if he can't play with Joel? Like, Durant, sometimes, like, this is where, and look, get every dollar you can get. Get every dollar you can find. Find every dollar you can. Get paid what you want. But then don't be mad when your bloated salary that you don't need and will never spend is also part of the issue from getting you to do what you want to do. You know, having all the money in the world, you can go any place you want. You can visit any place you want to see. You can have any experience you want to experience. But in this business and in this situation, your bloated contract sometimes gets you into a position where teams can't move you. And, yeah, I would love to be like, yeah, I could trade Kevin Durant straight up for so-and-so. The problem is i got to give you so much else because the contract situation. So Durant flapping in the wind right now. Yeah, I want you to fire the coach and I want you to fire the GM. Yeah, that's a great idea. That's a great idea. (laughs) 609-403-0973. 609-403-0973. We asked you first concert. Last concert, next concert, Joe and Galloway. First concert, Guns N' Roses, Aerosmith at the Spectrum. Anything at the Spectrum. I feel like it's like two extra points. Spectrum was an amazing venue to see a concert. 1988, the Spectrum, GNR, Aerosmith. What a different time, right? Going to the Spectrum to see GNR and Aerosmith. I saw Aerosmith at Wells Fargo. Nope, I saw Aerosmith at Boardwalk Hall. I've never seen Guns N' Roses. Is that bad? I never saw Guns N' Roses. Not bad. I mean, it's just something I... They played, I guess, in Atlantic City recently, right? Not something that uh, I was all that excited about seeing. How was GNR and AC? Anybody uh, go to that concert? The AC concert with Guns N' Roses? And then what else did we have? Um, More text messages coming in. First concert, last concert, next concert. Uh, first concert was Kenny Rogers, 1980. I was nine. Last concert, Billy Joel, Citizens Bank Park, right before the pandemic. Next concert, whoever boy band my kids want to see, and I have to take them. That's pretty good. Um, I saw Billy Joel at the Igloo in Pittsburgh when I was in Morgantown. It was like an hour drive to go up to Pittsburgh. That's where I saw Billy Joel. My one Billy Joel concert. Kenny Rogers, probably uh, not my bag. And the boy band, better you than me, right? (laughs) First concert, last concert, next concert. Text me, 609-403-0973. Hey, I got another winning name. I'm going to tell you right now, the winning name, this person has a chance to go to an Eagles road trip. With our friends at Philly Sports Trip, the Eagles road trip, you must be present to win 
at Garden State Brewery. That's down in uh, Whitehorse Pike in Afseekin. And that's going to be on August 26th. Happy Hour Friday show. A little, uh, little fun over at uh, Garden State Brewery. And uh, our qualifier for this hour, we're going to go with Chad Nicholson. Chad Nicholson. You are qualified for a chance to win that Eagles road trip. Chad Nicholson. Congratulations. Thanks for entering. And now you have a shot to win that Eagles road trip. Chad Nicholson. It's easy to do. Go to 973ESPN.com and enter to win an Eagles road trip. And that's thanks to our friends at Philly Sports Trips, Garden State Brewery, and Ernest and Sons Old Fashioned Butcher Shop in Brigantine, who's going to be supplying the food for our live broadcast that day over at Garden State Brewery. Chad Nicholson, good luck or congratulations to you. Good luck. Uh, we'll see you live on August 26th at Garden State Brewery. I'm Mike Gill. This is the Sports Bash on 97.3 ESPN. When we come back, I gave you the Phillies lineup a little earlier. That's out a little early today, that Phillies lineup. But we got headlines on the way. And there's a headline story about baseball and a cell phone that has to be addressed. That's next. Now, back to the... For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger. Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Three ESPN. All right, 4.30, Sports Bash Live, 97.3 ESPN, the 97.3 ESPN free mobile app. What's up, everybody? Mike Gill with you. Uh, Time for the headlines. Some of my favorite stories of the day. Don't forget, go to 973ESPN.com, and you can enter to win an Eagles road trip with Philly Sports Trips. Our live show is going to be August 26th at Garden State Brewery in Absecon. We're going to pack the place, and one lucky winner is going to ride the bus with Philly Sports Trips to go see the Eagles take on the Commanders. All you need to do is go to our website, 973ESPN.com, to enter. All the details are on our website, so do that now and listen for your name. I got more uh, text messages. First concert, last concert, next concert. Text 609-403-0973. I'll weave those in and out. I do have a story. I mean, this story here. All right. uh, The Pirates' Rodolfo Castro had a cell phone fall out of his back pocket last night, which is in violation of Major League Baseball's regulation prohibiting electronic devices on the field or in the dugout. Now, he's facing discipline on this. Well, apparently Castro was running the bases. He was sliding into second or third base. And the phone fell out of his pocket. I mean, this is unbelievable. Really? You're a major league baseball player. And you had the phone in your back pocket. It was akin to like, you know, I coach kids baseball, 13, 14, 15 years old. One night... At a game, kid's out in the outfield on his phone. 
get a major leaguer with his phone in his back pocket. I'm not saying that he should be, like, suspended for life or anything. But they really got to make sure that they set a precedence here. Can't let 13, 14, 15-year-old kids see a major leaguer with a phone in his pocket. I think that's okay. It's not okay. That's certainly not okay. I saw that story. I said, you got to be kidding me. He slides in the base. His phone falls out. What's he doing with his phone in the dugout or anywhere near him? Uh, Browns announced that Deshaun Watson is expected to start Friday's preseason game against the Jaguars. Is this one of those things where the Browns are just like, hey, we're paying this guy. We need to get him out there. I mean, just to get some bang for our buck in this situation. Uh, Because right now, I can't see a scenario uh, where this thing goes good for him. But, you know, they're going to start him on Friday night. I don't know. God bless the Browns, right? They make this trade. They sign him to this contract. This whole thing starts to happen. But uh, I don't know. I mean, all this legal mumbo-jumbo stuff, you never know where there's like a loophole or something that they're trying. Here's what I do know. Is they sign that contract and it is like loaded to where he gets more money in future years. He doesn't make all that much money on that contract this season. Now, the NFL is pushing hard to try to get him out for the whole year. But it looks like the Browns have blinders on and they're going to continue to push forward. And he will most likely he's scheduled to start. In the preseason opener, Friday night against Jacksonville. Provided between now and then, nothing happens, and I don't think that will happen. I don't think you'll see anything change in his... I don't know, does the NFL want him out there on Friday night? Uh, Rob Thompson, Philly's manager, was asked about Keith Hernandez's comments last night. Who basically said, like, I don't want to call the Phillies game because (laughs) they're not very good defensively. I mean, Keith Hernandez is a jackass. Come on. Uh, Rob Thompson said, I mean, he's a good baseball man. I respect his opinion, and that doesn't mean I have to agree with it because I don't. Um, he made the comment, Rob Thompson, that the Phillies did not make the first era of August until last night. Ten days into August, they haven't made a error. Uh, Hernandez just sound like an idiot. But that being said, who cares what Keith Hernandez said? That's what, like, the, the moral of the story is, who cares what Keith Hernandez said? I have so many people like, can you believe what Keith Hernandez said? Uh, Mike Sealski tweeted this out from the Inquirer. Philadelphia fans, we're the best and toughest fans around. No one likes us and our teams, and we don't care. Keith Hernandez says, I don't like the Phillies. Phillies fans, you are dumb and mean, and Elena on Seinfeld didn't even like you that much. Speaking of the Elaine on Seinfeld, did anybody see that minor league baseball game over the weekend where they had an Elaine dance competition? It was on Twitter. Pretty funny. The girl looks spot on like Elaine from Seinfeld. It was like she had the same like outfit, hairdo, the white socks with like the penny loafer shoes. She pulled it off pretty good. There was another woman there that uh, didn't have the attire down quite as much, but 
Uh, they were doing like, you know, remember the Seinfeld episode, uh, Little Kicks, it was called. Uh, what else we got here? Uh, no team has won the NFC East in consecutive years since the Eagles in 2004. Uh, will the Cowboys be the first team? Well, uh, Superbook Sports right now has the Cowboys as a slight favorite over the Eagles to win the East. Plus 140 for Dallas, plus 150 for Philadelphia. And then the drop-off, plus 525 for Washington and plus 900 for the New York Giants. Cowboys plus 140, Philadelphia plus 150. Who you taking? Who you got? Right? I saw this today as well. Uh, This is from Bet Online. The last undefeated team in the regular season. All right? The favorite is the L.A. Chargers. Does that mean that they have the easiest schedule or that they think they're the best team? I have no idea. But the last undefeated team in the regular season, the Chargers 5-1, to one, Tampa Bay 6-1, to one, Buffalo 13-2, to two, Denver 9-1, to one, Green Bay 10-1, to one, Dallas 14-1, to one, Chiefs and Rams 14-1, to one, then Baltimore and Philadelphia 16-1 to one for the last undefeated regular season team. Now, the last team to record a win in the regular season. In other words, who's the worst team? Atlanta is the favorite there, 9-2. Chicago, 5-1. Houston, 11-2. Seattle, 6-1. On that list, Philadelphia is 100-1. Tampa Bay is 250-1. They are the favorite for the last team to to win a regular season game. Uh, we got a couple more first concert, last concert, next concerts I want to read off. Bob and Woodbine, first concert, Cinderella Bon Jovi at the Spectrum, 1987. It's a good one there, right? Anything at the Spectrum, I give you bonus points for it, Bob. Uh, last concert, don't judge, he says. Took one for the team. It took the wife to see New Kids on the Block, Salt and Pepper, and Rick Ashley. That's a one-hit wonder, Rick Ashley, right? And next concert, Pucifer. I don't know who that is. I think it's, uh, is that the guy from Tool? Is that Maynard James? Is that his side band? Uh, I, I, I didn't know the name of that band. Now that I said it and I was like, I don't know who that is. But I, I kind of think that's the Maynard James Keenan from Tool's band, isn't it? It's a good list there. First concert, OzFest. Last concert, Florida Georgia Line. And next concert, whatever free concert comes my way. Was OzFest and Florida Georgia Line free? Did you get free tickets for those? That's a nice... uh, uh, Jay from Atlantic City. First concert, Philly versus New York Rap Battle 87. That had to be unbelievably epic. Where was that? Uh, last concert, Maxwell, here in Atlantic City last April. Wow, where did Maxwell play? I didn't know Maxwell was doing anything because he said last April here in Atlantic City. I feel like Maxwell would be touring like coffee houses. That guy just fell off the face of the earth. He was excellent, though. 
Uh, next concert. I don't know. Just hope I don't have to take kids to any of today's pop artists. Yuck. <laughs> you know, I was the same way, Jay. I, I couldn't think of a, a next. Uh, first concert from Lisa. Journey at the Spectrum. There's another Spectrum. Journey at the Spectrum, by the way. It's a good one. That's a real good one. Journey at the Spectrum. Might be my favorite one of the day so far. Uh, last kind of concert, Mark Anthony, because my Spanish husband loves salsa music. That's a reason. Uh, next concert, Elton John in D.C. Well, I guess Elton John's playing down the uh, the Beltway here soon, huh? That's from uh, Lisa Gonzalez listening. First concert, last concert, next concert. By the way, uh, Bob and Woodbine confirms that that is Maynard James Keenan's uh, sideband. Oh, Maxwell was at Boardwalk Hall. Maxwell sold out. Did he sell out Boardwalk Hall? That's impressive. Uh, the rap battle was in Philly. What venue in Philly? Was that like... Uh, I don't know. The Electric Factory's not there anymore. What is the Electric Factory now? I've had a lot of fun with this uh, topic today, by the way. Thanks to everybody who's been texting in. We've got a lot of texts on this topic today. First concert, last concert, next concert. I saw this on social media. And the reason I brought it up, and, and it, it stopped me for a second, because I said, what's the first concert I've ever been to? Stone Temple Pilots, Man Music Center, 94. Uh, meat Puppets opened up. Remember the Meat Puppets? And then I said, you know, my first concert and my last concert are exactly the same. I saw Stone Temple Pilots is the last concert that I saw. That was, I don't know when that was, this year or, or late last year. Stone Temple Pilots, let me see. Let me see if I can find the date. I know they played, it was a small venue. Heck, I can't even remember where I was. Hard Rock, I guess. I think um, Stone Temple Pilots, I think, played... It might have been March. Were they at the... Uh, did Stone Temple Pilots just play Atlantic City recently? Like, within the last two weeks? Maybe the last month. I don't know. Somebody texted in that they played Atlantic City recently. Did I go to that show? No, I did not. I was at... It was cold out. I remember that. Uh, Maxwell was not sold out, but great crowd, big crowds. Uh, first concert, GNR at the Spectrum. Last concert, Doobie Brothers in Camden. That's from John D. in Hamilton. GNR at the Spectrum. It's a great one. Uh, Mike, first concert, 14 years old, 1984. David Bowie at the Spectrum. Last concert a couple of years ago, Stones at the Link. Next concert, Philadelphia Folk Festival. It's a good one. Uh, John from Cape May. First concert, Aerosmith at the Spectrum, 1990. I saw Aerosmith at Boardwalk Hall. Last concert, Metallica. Next, Pearl Jam. Where's Pearl, Pearl Jam touring? I haven't seen Pearl Jam. I'd like to do that. Man, I've got a lot of these coming in. I'll try to read off a couple more. Uh, Sports Batch Live, 97.3 ESPN. First concert, Tevin Campbell and Chris Cross, 94, free after the Sixers game during the Sean Bradley era. It's not bad. 
That had to be a Spectrum 94. It was right in the crisscross. It was right in the cross of the Spectrum. Uh, last concert, Beck, 2018. So, what the hell's Beck doing? I always wonder, like, guy throws out, like, one random album, makes it with, the, you know, everybody knows Loser, Devil's Haircut, and then he disappears to the abyss. Uh, first concert, last concert, next concert. Uh, first concert, Boston, 86 at the Spectrum. Another Spectrum. Boston, that's a good one. A little album-oriented rock there. Uh, last concert, Elton John, Citizens Bank Park, July 11th. That was that uh, CBP that everybody was going to. Next concert, Red Hot Chili Peppers, Citizens Bank Park, Saturday, September 3rd. Ads, but I can't wait to check out some shows at Ocean. For example, the B-52s and Bare Naked Ladies on 11-4. Oh, Pete Thompson. I didn't realize that was the PT. Check it in. That was way back in the two. I had so many texts, I didn't get to that one. Sorry, PT. I like to see Bare Naked Ladies, by the way. I have not seen them before. I've actually been on a little Bare Naked Ladies uh, kick all of a sudden. Man, keep them coming. Uh, first concert, Silver Chair at the Troc, 96. Remember Silver Chair? I think the album was called Frog Stomp or something like that. They had the frog on the front. Silverchair was a bunch of young kids from, like, Australia. They made one album, and then the next one tanked, and they were gone. Uh, last concert, Coldplay, last month. Next concert, Red Hot Chili Peppers. Uh, is Pete Thompson taking you to that concert? Because that's the same one that he said he was going to. Uh, keep them coming. First concert, last concert, next concert. 609-403-0973 if you're listening on the free mobile app. I'm Mike Gill. This is the Sports Bash. Uh, we announced Chad Nicholson. He's our latest qualifier. If you want to enter to win a trip to see the Eagles play in Washington, go to our website 973ESPN.com Having a little fun here on this Sports Bash Wednesday. We'll read off some more first concert, last concerts, next concerts coming up here on The Bash. Now, back. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. With Mike Gill on 97.3 ESPN, South Jersey's sports leader. Sports Bass is live with you here on 97.3 ESPN. I'm Mike Gill. At Mike Gill Show, give me a follow there. What did uh, Bobby Marks say about... James Harden. I'll have that for you in just a second. Plus, we have another winning name next hour here on the Sports Bash Live. NBA um, is uh, a little ways off, but training camps can be starting pretty soon. Uh, we are in August. I mean, training camp usually starts, uh, what, late September? We'll get the training camps, and then uh, the season starts right around 
Uh, Halloween, I guess, is when uh, that starts. So Bobby Marks, he's been on our show plenty, ESPN, uh, front office insider. He was with the Nets. Uh, he was a front office member of the Nets. This is what Bobby Marks had to say in regards to what he sees from James Harden this season with the Sixers. Take a listen. I think we're going to be talking about James Harden in the top three when we talk about MVP conversations. Whoa. This year, I think this well, is... Hold on. <laughs> hold on. Let's stop. I'm not saying he's winning it. No, no, no. But if James Harden's in the top three of MVP, where do you have Philly finishing the East? Because to me, if he's that good, yeah. then you got to put them... They're right going to the North. conference finals. So they're going to be right there. I have with them in Boston. Boston. I have them in Boston conference finals. There you go. I think this is a redemption year. I think the contract year for Harden yeah. because of that player option, giving back all that money here. I think you're going to run into a situation where when you add P.J. Tucker and Daniel House... I mean, all of it's going to be dependent on Joel Embiid's health, of course, here. Um, but I think we're going to see the Houston version of James Harden in Philadelphia. All right, Bobby Marks, uh, he basically said, I think we're going to see James Harden in the top three of the MVP, which is kind of interesting when you think about that comment because Joel Embiid has finished number two in the MVP race the last two seasons. So you had Joel Embiid playing at the same level and James Harden. You would think they split the votes from each other if this is, you know, what Bobby Marks sees. He says, I have them going to the conference finals. That's pretty high praise for what he thinks about what James Harden will do this year. If that's the case, if you're telling me I'm getting James Harden number three in the top three of the MVP voting, do I need Kevin Durant on my team? You know, Durant is saying, hey, Philadelphia is a place I want to kind of go play. But... If you're telling me I'm getting that level of James Harden, do I need to trade for Kevin Durant? Now, he said conference finals, I have them in Boston. If you trade Maxi, Harris, Thibel, and others to get Kevin Durant, you have Kevin Durant, MVP-level player, Embiid, MVP-level player, and James Harden, he's basically saying, I see him finishing the top three of the MVP. Are you putting a team out there that is that last kind of big three that every team has been trying to put together. Now we've seen teams kind of get away from that. Uh, I thought that was some interesting audio that I found uh, during the break there. With Bobby Marks uh, on the NBA Today. Yeah, yeah, I think James Harden's going to be top three when we talk about MVP conversation. Oh, excuse me, what? <laughs> uh, when we come back, Cup of Joe is back for another season of football conversation. Former NFL offensive lineman Joe Valerio is back. And we're going to talk a little football. What's like, what's training camp like? What's it like getting ready for a season? What do these preseason games mean to an NFL football player? Joe was a second-round draft choice. What was it like playing that first preseason game? The speed of the game. How different was it from the college game? Now, remember, Joe played at Penn. So the difference between a game at Penn and an NFL preseason game, find out coming up next here on the Sports Bash. This is the Sports Bash with Mike Gill on 97.3 ESPN. Now, live inside the Matt Black Kia Studios, here's Mike Gill. All right, we're live here on a Wednesday, Sports Bash 97.3 ESPN. Cup of Joe's back for another season. We're going to get a lot of uh, great conversation on the football season. This one should be really intriguing. 
You know, Joe played at Penn. Which I have a Penn shirt on today. I didn't even plan that. I just realized that. What are the chances? Looking uh, good, Mike. Looking good. Right? I mean, I didn't even realize uh, that I had the Penn shirt on today. But Joe played at Penn. I would have to imagine. First off, Joe, welcome back for another season of Cup hey. of Joe. Mike, awesome to be back with you, buddy. This is fantastic. I can't believe football season is right around the corner. Well, I mean, it's already started with camp, of course, but the season itself is right around the corner, and uh, I'm super excited. I think the the off season was great for the NFL, and I think it was great for the Eagles. I thought they did a fantastic job. Yeah, we can certainly get into all the uh, expectations and everything, but what I want to start off is, you know, you played at Penn, uh, and what was second-round pick, and just the difference of playing a game in the Ivy League and that first preseason game, not even a regular season game, just that first preseason game. Give our listeners a little indication what these rookies are about to see on Friday night uh, for the Eagles. Holy cow, Mike. That's a great question and a great point to bring up, you know, at this time in the season right now as we're getting ready for, you know, first preseason games and rolling into camp. Um, you know, listen, I was blocking Biff McNutty from Harvard, right? <laughs> it was like, and then I'm going against, you know, uh, Derek Thomas and Neil Smith, if you can remember, you know, some of those names from, from the Kansas City days back in the nineties, right? Derek Thomas, probably one of the all time great pass rushers, uh, Hall of Famer. Uh, you know, and, and my first preseason game, guess who we got to play in my first preseason game? And I actually started because, um, we had a couple of holdouts. We had a couple of injuries. People were banged up. So I actually started uh, my first preseason game, the Cowboys, uh, 1991 summer. Uh, and I went against Jim Jeffcoat. <laughs> I was like, I was like thinking to myself, I watched him growing up and now I'm going against him. Like that's the, that's the feeling that the young players go through, especially, you know, if you get a chance to play against a veteran. Now, look, my little bugaboo right now, Mike, with training camp is, I think back to, you know, I sound like one of those people. It's like, well, when I went to school, I walked to school uphill both ways in the snow, never got a bus, right? Like it makes it sound like I'm trying to be like, woe is me, you know, play the little violin. But I mean, let's really be honest. Training camp has really changed. I mean, um, it is not what it used to be. Training camp today looks like what OTAs were for us back in the 90s. And I think that was for most teams. I'm not just talking about my Marty Schottenheimer era, Kansas City Chiefs, Smash Mouth football. Uh, I'm talking about most NFL teams because we used to travel around. Uh, when I was in uh, training camp back in the 90s, we used to go up to Wisconsin for what they called the Cheese League. And there was at least seven or eight teams up in the Midwest. And we would drive around to other camps and practice. And most of the other teams were just like us, the Vikings, the Packers, the Saints, the Jaguars. And I look and, – and as a kid, you know, I went to Widener to see the Eagles. You know, I went to see, you know, the Eagles at Westchester. I was a big – you know, my brothers used to drag me there to 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 spend time learning the game of football by watching and i remember how hard those camps were and how hard those guys practiced so different today and and you know where i'm going with this is you know i think rookies really don't even get a chance to play against veterans anymore like i got to play against jim jeffcoat right he was like a 10 or 12 or 13 year veteran at the time and i was a you know first year guy out of penn i'm going against you know one of the all-time great cowboy you know defensive lineman and so i think it's a different it's a different kind of camp these days i i'd be worried going into my first preseason game to be honest not to be like a you know black cloud or a dark cloud i'd be worried going into my first preseason game with the kind of camps that you have these days 
in that I'm not sure players are 100% prepared when when the pads really start cracking. Um, and that's why my little slogan is that September has become the new training camp. And and I think that's why right. teams um, that's why teams you know don't really um, you know that's why they 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 kind of don't really come out of the gate swinging in that in the month of September because they're still trying to feel their way through. Uh, give us a little insight on just you know that's the preparation leading up to that game. The speed, how different is the speed uh. of the game? The NFL now. I mean, you're even at a different level. I mean. Not to knock the Ivy League, but it's oh, not sure the enough. SEC that you're jumping from college to the pros. You're jumping from Ivy League to professional. But just how the speed of that game and the strength of those players is different. Oh no, it, it, and it is, and, and it wasn't just the Ivy League. Yeah, there was a, there was a notch uh, more that you know the Ivy League guys or players who come out of you know some Division One AA programs, even the scholarship One AA programs. There's definitely a little bit one more notch they have to jump up. But you know, even for even for the players from the Big Ten and the SEC and some of those schools, there's still a level of speed that they have to get used to. It's kind of like the way that I look at this way because people will always say, well. You know, the SEC or the Big Ten or some of these big conferences that have, you know, dominant players like, you know, they, they, they could, you know, Alabama, you know, could probably beat the worst NFL team. And I always say, wow, wow, wow. Look, I have a lot of respect for, for programs like that that do put out a lot of NFL players. But, you know, I'll say, you know, what's your average, you know, Division One team, you know, even in the SEC? How many pros do they put out a year? Five? seven that make the roster well guess how many guys on an nfl roster make an nfl roster 100 percent of them <laughs> they're all nfl players so you know i i i i kind of try to shut that that little analogy down pretty quick when when players think that a really really good college team could beat a really really bad nfl team and it's just it's just not true and mike it all comes back to what you said right circle and back to your original comment it all comes down to the speed and the combination of the size speed and strength that each nfl player possesses along with the fact that this is now your job like this is 100 percent of your time both training classroom workouts everything you do is zeroed in on being a professional football player there's no more classes there's no more fraternity parties there's no more you know hanging out it's your job. And so it really does take it up a notch. And when you start looking at uh, the speed, uh, when you go to a training camp practice or you watch a game live at the at, you know, at a stadium, it just it, it was it was for me, at least mind blowing. And I know a lot of guys struggled with it. I would you know, they struggled at the tempo and the pace. I would imagine, right, right. You're going from Ivy League to the NFL. It just the, the the speed and the strength. I would imagine for you, not only the speed, the strength had to be a, a huge difference. From you mentioned Biff McNutley. I'm imagining <laughs> the strength of the guys yeah. that you faced every day in camp is, is significantly more than you know the guy from Dartmouth or Colgate or right. or, or um, uh, Princeton. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, I'll put it in perspective. My rookie year, in 1991, Christian Okoye, who many know as the Nigerian Nightmare, and any Anybody who is probably over the age of 35, maybe 40, played Tecmo Bowl, and uh, they remember everybody wanted to be Christian Okoye when you played Tecmo Bowl on Nintendo because you couldn't tackle him, and he—that's the way he was. Christian Okoye, you know, was the leading rusher in 1990. 
uh, and then he, you know, battled with a couple injuries. But you know, he was six foot three, two hundred and seventy five pounds, ran a four 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 five forty, and um, he was bigger than any defensive lineman I ever played against in the Ivies. Put that into perspective. He was my tailback. I was like, give me the ball and let me run behind him. Um, but the the um, you know, when when I look back on that, I think about even even at any level of college football, you're right, Mike. It's the combination of speed, agility, and strength that an NFL player possesses that allows them to, you know, you have to game plan for them differently, right? Like when I was in the Ivies, for example, or, or you know, even any player at Division One AA or even a smaller 1A school, right, for that matter, you might play against a player who's really strong. Chances are they're not going to have great feet. They might not have great speed. I might one week, you know, one time I played against a player who was probably the fastest defensive tackle that I've ever played against. Uh, it was a, a kid at Dartmouth and, you know, but he was undersized. He was 245 pound defensive lineman. And once you got your hands on him, didn't matter how fast he was, right? You could control him. But then you start comboing all of those things together with I'll use names that, you know, that I at least went against and maybe maybe some of our Philadelphia listeners and Philadelphia area listeners will remember. But, you know, like the Derek Thomases of the world. And, you know, you think about players like Jerome Brown, Reggie White. Right. Go back to some Philly greats, Clyde Simmons. They're big. They're fast. And they're really, really strong. Like what's my what's my what's my strategy? The, the little guy, you know, that had speed. Get on him manhandle him you know the guy who was really strong but didn't have great agility cut him at the knees cut him down you know no big deal i had a strategy for guys who were one-dimensional i'm staring at reggie white 1992 i'm staring at clyde simmons in 1992 when when the eagles came out the arrowhead and i'm going what's my strategy (laughs) reggie white could pick me up throw me down which he did and uh you know my my favorite reggie white story was you know Reggie, Reggie, sat, he got, he beat me for a sack. I was, I was out on the edge and, um, he, he got around me for a sack. Then he didn't get around me. He threw me to the ground like a little kid. I'm going to be honest. And he puts his hands up and he, or he puts his hands out and goes to lift me off the pile, right? As I'm like dazed and confused, Dave Craig's laying splayed all over the field. The ball's <laughs> bouncing around, right? And, and, and Reggie puts his hand up and goes, Hey, 73. Do you know Jesus? And, 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 you know, of course, Reggie, always the preacher, right? The minister of defense. I said, I said, uh, Mr. White, I called him Mr. White. I had to, right? I said, Mr. White, uh, with that move you just put on me, I saw Jesus. And I'm telling you, he laughed, Mike. We got, we actually got a laugh about that. And, uh, you know, I had known, I had had the opportunity to meet Reggie when I was in college, which was really fun. And we, we had a good laugh about it, but he was great. But like, that's just, you know, he was just a perfect example of now, granted, he's one of the all time greats, but you know what? There's a lot of players like him that, that have incredible speed, incredible agility, unbelievable mountain man strength. And what's your defense? You know, what's your defense against a guy like that? Uh, Joe Valerio is back with us for another football season. Now, uh, some teams still do it. I think the Chiefs are one of them that go away, right? And, and kind of still do the whole go into a small college campus and do training camp. The Eagles have gotten away from that. Uh, they no longer do Lehigh. Um, I think they did Westchester before that. Yeah, and, Widener. Right. Yeah, it was, it was all over the but place. But they are now at their NovaCare complex. That's where they do it. And, and when, you know, that, that whole aspect has kind of been lost of this training camp is like you're sleeping in a dorm room, uh, in a bunk bed with your teammate. Like, uh, the Chiefs still do that though, right? And I don't know if there's a right or wrong way to do it. 
Yeah, I mean, look, it, it does it put a little stress on your family? Yeah, but you know what? It's the football season. You got I to me, I I if I were a coach, and, you know, if I were a general manager, owner of a team, I I personally just from my own experience, I would do a go away camp. I mean, I don't know if I would go to the extent of when I was playing. I mean, in the 90s, it was 6 weeks you know, away from home in a dorm. I mean, I remember uh, George Brett, you know, obviously the the, the famous royal. Uh, he saw a documentary that they had done for one of the uh, news channels when, when we were at training camp. And they actually interviewed me and, and I got to give them a tour of my dorm room. And basically my dorm room was a cinder block dorm, two twin beds pushed together. I had We had a phone a television and an air conditioner. That's all we had in our entire room. And it was, a, like I said, it was a cinder block dorm room, you know, at a division three college up in, in Wisconsin. Uh, and, and George Brett saw that on television and I ran into him at the airport and he came over and said, Hey Joe, I saw that thing on, on the news about your, uh, about your training camp. He goes, I'm going to tell you something. If we had those conditions at spring training, when I was playing for the Royals, he said, I'd have been out of baseball 10 years sooner. <laughs> I was like, geez, <laughs> did, did the conditions seem that bad, George? And, and you know, I, I thought it brought us together. Yeah. Mike. I, I thought it it bonded us. You know, we were away. We had no distractions. We were living, breathing and eating football 24-7. And I thought it was a great way to go into the season. Now, I do agree with some of this, the pullbacks that they have now with you know, 80% of your uh, salary being attributed to 20% of your players. You can't afford those injuries like we used to have at camp. Um, you know, you can't afford to, you know, be messing around with your star players in that manner and playing them too much in preseason. But I think there's got to be a little bit of a better balance because, like I said, watch the first four games of this year. And I'm telling you, I guess, though, if everybody's doing the- it right, if everybody's doing it. It's true. That's true. If everybody's doing it, then it's all going to look the same. But I just think from a just the quality of the football, even though everybody's doing it, just the quality of the individual team, it's just not there. I just don't see the the same quality in the opening weeks that I used to see when you were hitting, you know, for four, five, six weeks at a time, two a days hitting and really having a lot of contact at practice i mean granted i know in today's economic environment there's got to be a little bit of a happy medium to protect these players but you also wonder too mike is it causing some of these early season injuries you know where players aren't really ready to tackle full speed they're not really ready to play 60 minutes i mean we had starters honest to goodness back in the 90s i mean the starters always played the first three quarters or at least a half of the first two games and they would play full half, maybe even three quarters. And then they probably would play a quarter of the third game. And then they'd probably play one series of the last game. But they'd always play in every game, even if it was just to get ready. And I think those first two games where you played at least a half, sometimes three quarters as a starter, just got you football ready to play 60 minutes. Yeah, it's what is, it's um, a different. I think it was Aaron Rodgers. Pretty sure it was Aaron Rodgers who basically said, if I'm going to play, play me. If you're only going to play me for a series or two, don't even waste my time. Right. It's just like, just a warm up at that point. And, and I think guys go into those first couple of games, you know, they look a little winded. Just watch it. Just, you know, I'm just saying, Hey, take a, take an objective view of those first couple of game, regular season games and watch the players, you know, bending over, catching their breath, see how many plays, you know, they're in or out. And I'm telling you, I, 
I think it, you know, I think it definitely affects um, affects the play of the game and the and the, and the and the impact that uh, players can have in those first couple of games because they're just getting their sea legs under them because it it's a different kind of conditioning. You could run all the wind sprints you want, you could lift all the weights you want until you've played 60 minutes of a football game where you're running, you know, anywhere from 55 to say 72 plays offensively and or defensively. There is nothing that can condition you for that. It really isn't. Yeah. And I think it's it's the fact that you know the starters and stuff don't play much in in the beginning. I think it really affects them. So take an eye on that. You know, as as the, as the fans that are listening to this show, watch those first couple games and see if you notice it. You know, do a little litmus test on your own. Yeah. Um, another thing, I guess that you know, as we're getting ready for that first preseason game, Joe is the install of all. Like you know, we take for granted that you know. These guys are learning this playbook and how much goes into sitting down, getting the terminology and learning that. I mean, I guess it differs from team to team and I guess the era is so different now, but I always thought like people take for granted that you just get the play calls like, but you hear some of the names of these plays and you're like, who came up with the name of this play? Can't you just give me like number 45? I'll remember that. <laughs> well, there's a, there's always a progression, Mike, right? There's always that, the progression. There's always. The, the, the personnel you're going to start with, right? You're going to start with the personnel. You're going to start with the formation. You're going to start with the motion package, right? And there's a progression. So once you get to know, it's really just like putting – it's just like mixing and matching things on a menu at that point, right? I'm going to have this salad with this entree with this dessert. Can you tell it's around dinner time and I'm hungry? Um, <laughs> but like, you know, you, you, you know you're just – so once you know, you know, there's only going to be – anywhere from five depending on the size of your playbook there's going to be anywhere from five to say 10 personnel packages tank with three tight ends you know double tight end three wide receivers four wide receivers a single setback you know the whole nine yards there's only going to be a limited number of of formations then you're going to go from your 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 personnel then you're going to go to basically your uh you know your formation you know, is the tight end going to be right? Is the tight end going to be left? Where's the weak? Where's the strength? Then you're going to go to your alignment and then, you know, trips. You're going to have trips with three three wide receivers to one side or you're going to have split, which is, you know, even number of wide receivers on both sides. You know, and then you're going to have your your play. Then you're going to have the direction of the play. So they're really like once you get to know that progression, it's it's not as complicated as people think it is um, for understanding and and trying to get an idea once you get your handle around that. So when they say, you know, tank personnel, um, you know, strong right, which is where you're going to put the tight end or you're going to put the strength of your formation. And, you know, so it's tank, strong right, uh, trips, 32 dive right. Like you can, did you hear it? Like there's a progression, and you just you're just filling in those 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 terminologies to get you to the end play. Um, so it's not that hard. It's not that complicated. So you can you can install that stuff pretty quickly and get players to understand where the where the real you know where the where the art of football comes in. It's the it's the understanding of the adjustments that quarterbacks receivers and running backs and even the line and their blocking adjustments have to make that's where the mental mistakes happen it's not knowing what play to run and where to line up that's all easy 
you know, even though the play might be, it sounds like a dictionary, the quarterback's calling, you know, blue, right, 852, 75, dive, right, on two, you know, everybody goes, oh my God, how do they keep it all straight? There's a progression. The next, the, the, what, where players get into problems is, okay, when the Eagles show up in a 3-4 front and the linebackers are shifted over, how do we block that versus when they show up in a 5-2 front yeah. and the linebackers are lined up right over the guard gap? Like, oh my God, that's two totally different formations. Now we have to adjust all of our assignments based on what the defense is giving us. That's where, and what the quarterback has to say, is it man, is it zone? What's my first read? That receiver is going to run this route. If it's man, he's going to run this if it's zone. That's where the mental part of it comes in. And I think players today are missing out on that because they're trying to do it all virtually, trying to watch film. They're wearing the Oculus glasses, you know, trying to like do three, you know, 3D video game analysis and things like that. I mean, to me, all that analysis has to happen out on the field in real time. So I think that's where, you, you know, you're seeing a lot of uh, missteps in, in the beginning of the season. All right. Uh, Joe Valerio's back for another season. Cup of Joe Wednesdays at five right here on the Sports Bash. And uh, you mentioned the Eagles, some of the offseason stuff. I guess what is something you're intrigued to see about this? Uh, I don't want to say new look team, but there's a lot of new faces. A.J. Brown, Hassan Reddick, Jordan Davis. How would you like to block him? Holy smokes. I saw that. Man, that thing made its way around on Twitter with that bull rush he put, you know, and, um, you know, I know there's a lot of people saying it's, you know, easy to bull rush. I, I think he's, you know, I think he's going to be a very, very impactful, uh, player for this team. You know, I think up front, um, you know, they're going to have some great rotations, right? Cause that's, that's what you want on defensive line. You want rotate, you want to be able to rotate guys through. Um, but I'll tell you where I'm really most excited. I, you know, again, I'm an offensive guy, you know, playing line and, 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 and being a part of offense for so long in my life. I, I'm just really excited about, about this receiving core. Uh, I'm really excited about what it does for Jalen, you know, with a, another year of maturation for Dallas at tight end, who, you know, has been starting to look more and more like a Travis Kelsey type, right? He's definitely maturing into that kind of a role. Um, and then, you know, you've got a really solid, line to protect Jalen I think this I thought this line played fantastic towards the end of last year I was really excited I think Malata's developed into one of the best left tackles in the league of course my man Jason Kelsey one of a kind that you know the captain at center and I think his, his elbow is going to be fine he'll, he'll be great you know Landon and Samalu and Lane I mean look I, I love this line if they all stay healthy and the chemistry they're building and what they're doing at receiver you know, I think Miles Sanders and, and, and Kenneth Gainwell, and Boston Scott, I think, you know, uh, a nice trio there, a little stable of, of different kinds of running. I think this is all on Jalen Hurts now, Mike. I really do. And I'm really excited. I don't want to put a lot too much pressure on him, but I really I'm excited to watch this offense. I'm I, I, I'm I'm tickled, man. I, I really am. I think they did. I think the Giants probably had the best draft of the NFC East. But I think the Eagles did the most to fill in the gaps that they needed to fill in to take this team to the next level. And, you know, I'm going to make a bold prediction right now before the preseason games even start. I'll be disappointed if this team doesn't win at least one playoff game. Okay. 
We will uh, certainly uh, keep our eye on that. And I do want to ask you, uh, because Joe also played for the Chiefs, and he is host of the Believe in the Chiefs uh, on the Believe uh, Network. And uh, a local kid from our area, he seems like he is on Twitter everywhere. Seems like everybody's <laughs> talking about Isaiah Pacheco out there with Kansas City. I mean, every time I turn on Twitter, somebody's telling me how great this kid looks. He, I'm telling you, he's created a lot of controversy and controversy is maybe the wrong word. He's created a lot of uh, decision making. I'm going to have to say that Andy Reid and Eric Bieniemy, his offensive coordinator, are going to have to make uh, about what they do with their stable of runners. And um, yeah, he has been he has been uh, you know all over it. I, there's really not a whole lot more I can say, Mike, than social media has already said. But he has really, really made an impact, and um, I think the team is really excited. You know, who doesn't love those kind of surprises, right? Those ones that just come almost out of nowhere, and you're like, holy cow. Like, everybody expects – sometimes the expectations are too high for that number one overall pick, right? Oh, man, they better perform spending that much money on them and all the hype. But I'm really excited about it, uh, about what he's doing. I'm also excited about another – local product in Justin Watson, uh, Penn grad, another, you know, just in celebrating your, you wearing the, the Quaker t-shirt today, Mike, um, <laughs> Justin Watson's a wide receiver. He was the first free agent signing the chiefs made. Um, he came from the bucks, he battled a few injuries when he was in Tampa. Um, but he has made a huge impact. I mean, Patrick Mahomes in the off season texted, uh, Brett beach, the general manager and said, where did you find this kid? The speed, the size, the strength, the work ethic. He's like, man, he's outrunning some of my passes. And that's Patrick Mahomes saying it. Wow. So, um, and he's making a huge impact on the special team. Special teams coach loves him, who's also the assistant head coach. So I think he knocked on wood. He's got a good shot uh, at making the squad as the fifth wide receiver and as a special teams guru. So a couple of local, you know, Justin being local from college perspective uh, and, and what's going on out there. So, yeah, nice nice to have those local connections uh, right. out in KC. Uh, we will uh, certainly talk football. Cup of Joe. Joe Valerio is back for another season. Uh, just kind of talking football. We'll talk uh, NFL, Eagles, everything that's happening. Uh, get a good football perspective from Joe Valerio at Joe Valerio 73 on Twitter and uh, Wednesdays at 5 right here on the Sports Bash. All right, Joe. Good to have you back, pal. Great to see you, Mike. See you next week. All right. There's Joe Valerio here on the Sports Bash uh, getting you ready uh, to kind of give you a behind the scenes look, uh, you know, from a player's perspective of what goes on to get ready for that first preseason game, which is Friday night. And you can hear the game right here on 97.3 ESPN. We'll have Merrill Reese and Mike Quick call all the action at 7.30. I got another qualifying name right now. It's Pat Slavin. Pat Slavin. You are qualified to win an Eagles bus trip, road trip down to Washington to see the Eagles take on the Commanders at FedEx Field. We'll see you live at Garden State Brewery on August 26th for Happy Hour Friday. One lucky winner is going to win that bus trip with Philly Sports Trips. If you want to enter, go to our website right now, 97.3ESPN.com, or go to the free mobile app. If you have the app on the phone, you can enter through the app. It's very easy to do. Pat Slavin figured it out, and now Pat has a chance to win that Eagles road trip. When we come back, we'll get in on some of the key stories Friday night. Jeff Kerr was over at camp this week. We'll get his take on what he's looking for Friday night from not only the Eagles, the NFC East. That's coming up next right here on the Sports Bash. Now.
For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Free ESPN. Hey, get your game on at the Gallery Bar Book and Games Ocean Casino Resort. This football season will be there every Monday. Go to the Gallery and Ocean Casino Resort to go for the win. For more information, visit theoceanac.com. Must be 21 or older to play. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Mike Gill. We uh, are live at the Gallery Bar Book and Games at Ocean every Monday. Jeff Kerr will be a part of the show Mondays. He's also a part on Wednesdays, and we got uh, an opportunity now to talk to Jeff. Eagles training camp uh, closing up as the uh, preseason part of the schedule starts on Friday, Jeff. So, um... Friday night, what's something that you want to see? What is one thing that you would like to see happen Friday night, Philadelphia Jets? So I've been pondering this for a while now, Mike, uh, even before you asked the question. So I feel like what I really want to see, I'm getting, and that's a, a series or two from the starters. So we're getting that out of the way. So I had to change my answer here. Right. But I kind of want to see... The Jalen Rigers, the Zach Pascals, the Britton Coveys of the world, I want to see what they do. I want to see the Kennedy Brooks-type uh, players. Uh, you know, I can watch the offensive and defensive lines any day of the week. I feel like in the preseason, i got to watch the skilled players a bit. And I, I'll even save the linebackers, too. I want to see what Sean Bradley does with more game reps. I want to see the Mac McCain's. Um, the Josiah Scott, because, you know, he's going to be playing some safety. They're, they're kind of moving him around there. So, uh, Kayvon Wallace is another one. So, yeah, I, I'm really going to be looking at those second 13 guys on um, Friday night just because I want to see if they can fill out a talented 53-man roster. Yeah, I know that uh, Sirianni did say that today, that he anticipates them playing uh, one or two series. And I was a little surprised by that, and and we'll see if he ends up uh, keeping his word on that. Uh, You mentioned uh, Josiah Scott, and I guess uh, he's a guy that, you know, how many roster spots do you think are up for grabs? How many positions? Because it looks like the starters, for the most part, I don't know about linebacker, what you think about that, but... Uh, how many got, how many spots on the fifty three do you think are are up for grabs, and how important are these preseason games in attaining those roster spots? Well, definitely, um, if they keep five or six wide receivers, um, you know, this could be between Britton Covey, it could be between Jalen Rager. Um, I, you know, those are the two that first come to mind here. Greg Ward is another one. Uh, maybe Devin Allen gets his way into the mix. I doubt it, but we'll see. So, um, I. Honestly, the number two tight end spot is it Dak Stoll? Is it Richard Rodgers? Grant Calcaterra's out. So, you know, there's going to be a spot or two there between tight end number two, tight end number three. Um, offensive line, I think it's set. Again, I think I'll have a better idea on prize game. I'm not the big 53-man roster prediction guy. Um, I think there's some backup linebacker spots up for grabs. Um, obviously, behind Darius Clay, James Bradbury, Avante Maddox. Uh, I, I think there's some spots up in the cornerback. Oh, and Zach McPherson, I think there, there's a spot or two up in the cornerback. And l- let's see if J- 
if Chikwaski Tart, you know, is he going to be a surprise roster cut? Because he hasn't done much this camp. Uh, Marcus Evans has definitely secured a job. Anthony Harris has probably secured a job. He hasn't done much in camp, but he hasn't had a bad camp here, which you could always say is a good thing. So I think there's openings in safety there. Uh, if they keep four or five safeties, because Kayla Moss is obviously going to be in the mix there. So what about Aaron Sippas, the punter? I, I mean, could the Eagles bring someone else in after a 53-man cutdown cut day? Who knows? So, I, I overall, though, it, honestly, there's probably eight or nine roster spots up for grabs. Yeah, that's uh, something that uh, how important are these preseason games in winning those battles? I, I think they play a role. I definitely think Friday plays a role just because there wasn't any joint practices. Um, I, I think with the joint practices between the Browns and the Dolphins are going to be a telltale sign for at least the first teamers um, and how they look because that's how Nick Sirianni prioritizes them. But I actually do think the preseason games will have some merit there. And I know Doug Pearson kind of lost my faith in the preseason years ago when Paul Turner just lit everybody up and he didn't make the team anyway. So, uh, you know, it's hard to put a lot of stock in these preseason games, but you do get reps out of them. I mean, Raheem Mostert carved out a pretty nice NFL career so far just by having a really good preseason in 2015. Yeah, and I'm wondering, like, you know, you mentioned Paul Turner. I said, is Britton Covey the Paul Turner, or does he have a legit shot to make this team? He's a great returner, and the Eagles need a returner. I mean, I'll tell you what, after hearing Jalen Rager today, I think Jalen Rager's pretty hungry to get a spot. I mean, there could be six, and I I think there could be some room for Britton Covey there. Um, Again, we'll see. I I think for him, it all comes down to the returning aspect of the game. If he makes a difference in special teams and – Let's face it, Eagles special teams were bad last year. He can make this team. Uh, let's get some NFL news with Jeff real quick. Uh, Deshaun Watson is expected to start the opener. Uh, how tone deaf are the Cleveland Browns? Or are you like, hey, he's there. He's eligible to play. You might as well get him out there. No, the Browns definitely don't read the room, do they, Mike? I mean, I don't think they read the room since they got Deshaun Watson. And they don't seem to be holding him accountable for anything. They're smart playing talk right now, um, unlike the Phillies and Heroes, uh, but I digress. <laughs> so, but yeah, it, it just seems like they're tone deaf. Like, I, I wouldn't even play him. I wouldn't play him until this thing is resolved, and could be resolved by Friday, who knows, but I guess the Browns look at it as, he's eligible to play, we're going to play him, but I don't know, I think Jacoby Brissett should be getting a lot of reps this weekend. That's, that's just my opinion. Right, you would think that this is a situation where you're like, look, we can't count on this guy being here. What are we even wasting snaps? With? Although, uh, I mean, I guess if you don't want to get your starter hurt and, and you are and you just say, hey, go out there and you know take snaps, but I can't imagine they want to risk him getting hurt in the event. I, I don't know. This whole situation has turned into a total disaster for both sides. Yeah, it has. And I just don't understand why the NFLPA can't back off of this. Like, you make yourselves look bad. Like, just let the NFL handle this punishment. Well, the, and I, I know their reason. Well, you know, they'll set a precedent. I'm like, well, he's setting a precedent. Right now, he's setting a precedent. Uh, he's just not a good guy, and he's not holding himself accountable for anything because the guy's probably been never told no in his life, and now he finally is. I mean, I have no problem if Roger Goodell wants to drop the hammer on him for a year, maybe even more. Which is what he wants to do, whether he's going to get his yeah. way on that. Uh, we shall see. Uh, did you watch Hard Knocks last night? Uh, of course I did. I had to write the recap for CBS. Uh, Mike, didn't you see the retweet today? I don't have HBO, so I did not see it. But uh, I figured that you oh, watched it. Yes. Give me a shout out today because I said I'd 
I'd go to battle with that man any day of the week. <laughs> All right. Well, give a see, I don't have HBO anymore, so I can't watch it. But I had heard that the last couple of years that it kind of fell off a little bit. So uh, what did you think of the uh, Lions last it, night? Well, last night. So the first five minutes were probably just – it just made you too, stay too glued in regardless. But Dan Campbell gave a pre-game speech. And, again, there's a lot of words in that speech I can't say on air. But he said he only care if you have one butt cheek or three toes. He's going <laughs> to kick your butt. I'm, that's the nice way of saying it. So – um, that fired me up. Jamal Williams saying, every time I hear about my, you know, record and, you know, this team's record last year, it makes me, you know, and, you know, you, you can fill the blanks there. But I wanted to run through a brick wall after that. Um, here at Deuce Staley and Aaron Glenn and their camp battles, uh, going through it. You know, Deuce Staley was the star of the show last night. Just how he just hammers Aaron Glenn every time his offense beats the defense and, he, you know, Deuce Staley had a lot of verbal quotes. I, I'll tell you what, at the end of the episode, Deuce Staley told his players, here's the rule. If you have to, you know, go to the bathroom, go go outside and do it. Or if you have to flatulate, you better go outside and do it because you don't want to be around me if it happens. He's, he, you know, he basically laid down the law there. So I thought that was pretty good. The whole episode was... It was compelling. It kept you in it. And they need teams like the Detroit Lions. This was – I talked to um, uh, a couple people at HBO. I told them, you guys picked the perfect team. And they said, yeah, yeah, I think we did. Uh, I, I think this is going to be really good. I think their in-season one with the Arizona Cardinals is going to be really good. It was definitely – I'll say this. The in-season one with the Colts was a million times better than training camp with the Cowboys. Um, yeah, I had heard it was uh, down the last couple of years, so that's why I hadn't been like, ah, I'm not going to see it. But uh, I guess it's something that I should try to seek out the Lions um, uh, on hard knocks. All right, uh, Roquan Smith demands a trade. How's this going to play out? No one wants to be on the Bears anymore, do they? I, mean, <laughs> I can't really blame them. Uh, the Bears seem to be getting rid of everybody. You know, Robert Quinn at one time demanded a trade. Now I guess he's not demanding a trade. I, I don't know what the deal was there. Just pay Roquan Smith. I understand. You don't have that many players. You have the cap space. He's one of your best players on the defensive side of the ball. Just pay the guy. I I don't understand. I, I think there will be a lot of teams interested in, in Roquan Smith just because the abilities and the came out of Georgia. It's He's definitely an NFL linebacker. I mean, he does everything Darius Leonard does except force the fumbles. I mean, really, really that's about it. But I'd love to have Roquan Smith in the middle of the defense if, if I can get my hands on him. Uh, I guess um, the last thing that uh, I want to get your thoughts on is, and this is something that has been, uh, you know, we, we I think it was, I, I listened to the Jimmy Trainer podcast, the sports media, uh, Sports Illustrated Sports Media podcast, and he has been uh, going off the last couple of years about the NFL needing to add a Black Friday game. And it looks one. like you are going to get a Black Friday game starting as soon as next season, the day after Thanksgiving. It looks like the NFL is now going to take over that day as well. Yeah, and they have to play in the afternoon because of the antitrust uh, laws from the 60s. So, yeah, that's going to be Black Friday afternoon. It, it, it'll probably be like two. what it should uh, be. I mean, Black Friday afternoon, yeah. the day after Thanksgiving when everyone's just kind of hanging around. You're off of work, and boom, right there at uh, 1 o'clock, you got a, you got a football game. 
I, I love the idea personally. Like, I, and I always watch college football on Fridays, but it seems to me now there's we're getting less and less college football on Black Friday. So yeah, you so why I not? think the last year or two you only got a, uh, like one game or maybe two. What is it usually? It's Iowa, Nebraska. It used to be what LSU and Florida. I thought used to play Black Friday. Now it's not. Now that they don't do it anymore. I think Iowa, Nebraska. I think Washington, Washington State play on Black Friday. It's, but yeah, I mean, having an NFL game, that, that's going to be bonker ratings. And Amazon's smart because you're going to cut a deal there. Amazon's going to be like, subscribe to Amazon Prime on Black Friday, and you'll get this, you'll get this, you'll get this, you'll get, you'll get the discounted rate. Everybody's going to be wanting to get in there, Mike. But I, I, I'll tell you what, uh, do you have Amazon Prime? Yeah, let, uh, I do have Amazon Prime, yes. So uh, last year was Washington versus Washington State was one of the games. Yeah, that was one of the games I watched. Texas and Texas A&M used to play on Thanksgiving, and I, they, that might come back now that Texas is in the SEC. So We don't know where these conferences where are, are going. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's – I mean, for all we know, West Virginia could be a Big Ten school by next week at this point. At this I'm point. not putting my money on that, but, I, I yes, we could have <laughs> – you know, I heard someone suggest that you could have basically like the NFL, where you have an NFC and an AFC, and then you break it down like east, uh, north, south, and west. I think that'd be better for geographical rivalries. I mean, wouldn't you like, like a northeast conference? Wouldn't you think that'd be better? Yeah, I mean, you have like the old Big East, like some of those schools in like the east, and then you have some of the ACC schools in the central and the and the you know I don't know you could break it up though where you just have two conferences and you have more than four teams in the divisions you can have like six seven team Eastern six seven you know what I mean like uh, but now you can pick the say thirty two teams that you want basically involved in the national championship picture yeah I. I- Again, college football is just so different from when I grew up, and yeah. definitely, you know, definitely when we grew up. Like I'll say, by the way, I have to ask you, how was it on Crossing Broad the other day? I saw you were the star of the show. Uh, I don't know if I was the star of the show, but it was uh, very nice that they asked me to be a guest of the show. I guess, and uh, yeah, that was that was fun. You know, Kincaid's a WVU guy, so we take care of each other. Oh, of course. Kincaid's an, aw- an awesome guest, and we have him on Birds 365, so it's... Yeah. Well, yes, he, he definitely just... I did he, Birds 365. Me, Andrew Marshall. He's I, the guy we need. Yeah, I did Birds 365 on Monday morning, and I did Crossing Broadcast on Tuesday, so I was uh, uh, extra busy this week. Yeah, well, um, uh, maybe maybe we're going to have to have some more Jeff Kerr and Mike Gill... Uh, <laughs> reuniting here. Uh, maybe more than just Monday, Wednesday, Friday. How about Mike? All right. Well, we'll back on Friday. And uh, Jeff Kerr, appreciate it, bud. And I'll actually be calling you from the link on Friday night. I'll be at the preseason game. Perfect. Good uh, update from there. All right. Jeff Kerr is back Friday live from the link. We close out the show next. Now, back to the... Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. 
on 97.3 ESPN. That'll do it for me on the Sports Bash today. Coming up, Josh has the night off, so the best of the Sports Bash is next. Our conversation with John McMullen, if you missed that, and Mike McGarry on the Phillies. Got the lineup for the Phillies tonight. We gave you that and more here on the Sports Bash. Don't forget, another chance for you to qualify. Uh... Go to our website, 97.3ESPN.com. Congratulations to all of our qualifiers today. If you have not entered for the road trip to see the Eagles in Washington, go to 97.3ESPN.com. It's very easy to do. All I need is your name. Fill out the form. I'll call your name. If I call your name, you're qualified, and you must be present to win at Garden State Brewery on August the 26th. Where we'll have one lucky winner win the road trip with Philly Sports Trips. I'm back tomorrow. Have a great night, everybody. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.